Welcome to another episode of Yesterday's Capers. I'm Abdullah Molim and every week I'll be bringing you the very best shows from the past that the world has to offer. We've got a hell of a lineup for you this week as we put the weekenders up against Doug. And we take a special look at a special cartoon. Hey Arnold! There's so much to say about this magnificent creation. We'll talk about the characters, episodes, storylines and everything in between. And we'll give some love to the more recent Jungle Movie. Producer Paul and I are still in different locations, but as ever, we're here to still bring you the very best shows from the past that the world has to offer. So, let's get started. And uh, joining me as ever is uh, Producer Paul. Hey man, how's it going? And I'm delighted to say that joining us this week is Patricia again. Hey, Patricia. Hey, how's it going? Good, good. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Oh, well, thank you for being so patient with me having a very busy day and <laughs> weekend life. <laughs> How you been? I've been pretty decent. Uh, I've just been busy with school over the past summer. I just finished taking accounting and beginning Spanish because I want to minor in entrepreneur in addition to my major in broadcast journalism at school. And uh, I've been doing a whole bunch of other projects uh, outside of old schooling. But, you know, I'm still uh, chugging along, even though that I decided that I was going to take a bit of a hiatus to kind of uh, rethink of my focus for the channel and for my podcast. But uh, but other than that, I've been doing pretty good. Other than doing everything. I should have said host of Old School Lane. So, that's okay. Uh, that's, that's my bad, yeah. She's also a podcaster, Old School Lane. Check it out. It's on YouTube. Yeah, check out the one of 10 podcasts I've done over the past eight years. <laughs> Casual chats, <laughs> we're in between Pix Mix, Dream Machine, the World Doll Retrospective, anything, you know. Ooh, see, that's that, that's a lot. I, I probably should have mentioned uh, some of the more prominent ones. So. <laughs> no, it's all right. Don't worry about it. But uh, yeah, for the for I guess for this particular uh, podcast, what's more relevant for my uh, podcast and my channel is that I have done three videos on Doug. I've done is uh, how Doug was influential with its simplicity. I did five reasons on why Hey Arnold was a huge improvement over Doug and is Disney's Doug really that bad, which I don't know if we're going to be talking about in this podcast. We'll, we'll, we'll touch on those kind of subjects. I mean, it's partly why I wanted you on this chat, because I know you've done a lot of stuff on Doug and Hey Arnold in particular. Yes. So is having your kind of input and uh, expertise on the on the subject is very much needed for yes. what we're trying to what we're trying to do so yeah and uh, I, and uh yeah and finishing off on doug i've interviewed the creator of doug jim jenkins twice nice and as for my stuff on hey arnold i've did like a ton of videos on hey arnold i did the origins of hey arnold where arnold started when uh he was cl from claymation to comic strips all the way to the pilot and then the animated series that we know of today uh, there's the discussion of the Halloween episode, the Veterans Day episode, my 40-minute analysis video on the history of Hair Arnold the Jungle movie. Um, I did the pros and cons of Hair Arnold the Jungle movie. I did my top 20 Hair Arnold episodes, and I've interviewed Craig Bartlett twice. Cool. Right. As as we're talking about, we've got loads to get through, so I think we should uh, we should get started right away. And I think we should start with Doug. 
So we're going back to August 1991, which is when I think Doug first appeared on our screens and some of the things happening in the world. Tim Berners-Lee releases the files describing his idea for the World Wide Web and WWW debuts as a publicly available service on the internet. Carlos Santana pleads no contest to marijuana possession charge and conservative members of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union attempt to depose Mikhail Gorbachev in a coup d'etat. Doc Hollywood was in the cinemas and Enter Sandman by Metallica was in the charts. Big tune. Big, big tune. I'm not sure if I know it, you know. Of course you know it. You definitely know this one. 100%. I know you don't know. You're notoriously bad at, you know, hit records and things like that. But Enter Sandman, you definitely know that. And so now we're going on to uh, Doug, which was a American animated TV series created by Jim Jenkins. And it focuses on the early adolescent life of the title character Douglas Funny, who experiences common predicaments while attending school in his new hometown of Bluffington. And he narrates his story in his journal and the show incorporates many imagination sequences and it addresses numerous topics including trying to fit in, platonic and romantic relationships, self-esteem, bullying and rumours. Obviously his family, Theodore and Phil, mum and dad, he's got sister Judy and in the later series I think Cleopatra, uh, the baby sister and his dog Porkchop and Jim Jenkins, he developed Doug from drawings in his sketchbook that was created over the course of the 1980s and a mostly autobiographical creation, which is Doug, and it's inspired by Jenkins' childhood growing up in Virginia and most of the characters in the series being based on real individuals. He first initially pitched Doug as a children's book to uninterested publishers before Nickelodeon purchased the show. And following this, the series underwent further development in which Jenkins meticulously detailed every aspect of the show's settings. And Jenkins was insistent that the series would have a purpose and instructed writers to annotate each script with a moral. And the unusual soundtrack consists largely of scat singing and mouth noises, which I thought was very, um, you couldn't not notice those things. And interestingly enough, it premiered alongside the Rugrats and Ren and Stimpy show. So, I, I don't know. I mean, putting them against those two, I think they kind of, at the time, didn't really like that, did they? Well, when it comes to the lineup of Doug, Rugrats, and the Ren and Stimpy show, executive producer Vanessa Coffey had a reason on why she decided to put those particular things in order. Um, She saw Doug as the vegetables, very wholesome, filled with good morals, very relatable for the children. And Rugrats was a plate of spaghetti, where it was chock full of various things. It had 
you know, the perspective of the babies and the perspective of the adults. It had imagination. It had realism. It, it was it was basically like the main course. Well, the Ren and Stimpy show was the dessert where it was just like crazy and zany. It was like a, the equivalent of like being hyped up on sugar. So there was a reason why the lineup was the way it was. And out of the eight pilots that was pitched to Nickelodeon around 1989, um, you know, three of them eventually got picked up. But Doug was actually the very first one out of all of them that was picked up to be a Nicktoon. Interesting. And um, according to Jim Jenkins, he said that honesty was the series's main theme. And what he said was, and I quote, we put ourselves through enormous pain to avoid pain. And I had this notion of what if we didn't do that? What if we just told the truth? But that's complicated. In the adult world, the notion of truth and not truth is complicated. But I didn't want to debate it. I didn't want to show I didn't want to show all of the ambiguity of the adult world to kids. I wanted to show kids a world where everyone took honesty seriously. And I think the other interesting thing was Skeeter, who a lot of people or viewers felt he exhibited traits stereotypical of African-Americans and subsequently drew conclusions of that character. But I don't think Jim Jenkins... That wasn't his intention. I just think he, he said it was a case of him just colouring whatever and Skeeter happened to be blue and Patty was whatever colour she was. And I think that was, yeah, I think that was the uh, the case. And uh, yeah, um, there was an interesting thing about, we were talking about when they moved to Disney. I think even like staff members thought that when they moved to Disney, it just kind of lost its appeal. And I think even Jim Jenkins had said, and I quote, I mostly agree with Doug fans who think the original 104, 11 minute Doug series stories made for Nick were the best. And the voice actor for Patty Mayonnaise, Constance Shulman said, I missed all the gang crammed in the studio waiting for their turn for the big group scene. Someone just dimmed the magic a little bit. And I think there was a rift between Billy West, who was the voice of Doug and Jim Jenkins. Not necessarily. It was that the reason what happened was, is that um, Billy West wanted to come back to do Doug, but at the time he was a prominent voice actor. I mean, you have to imagine that in the eighties, Billy West was just starting to get his foot in the ground with voice acting. He was in a cartoon called Beanie and Cecil, which was a Bob Clampett cartoon that was done by John Chris Felusi. And, you know, uh, like starting like around the early 90s, not only was he Doug and Roger in Doug, but he was also Ren and Stimpy. Well, he was Stimpy and then John Kay left after season three and then he became Ren and then various amounts of other characters. He was like the announcer. He was like the, the salve salesman. He was like a ton of things. And then over the course of a few years, like, Everybody wanted him. It also didn't help much that he was a major uh, co-host in the Howard Stern show. So a lot of people started to know who Billy West was. And when there was talks about like, okay, we're going to have new episodes of Doug coming into Disney. And they didn't call Billy West in because he was way too expensive to hire. And he was not very happy about him. He would have loved to have been a part of it. It's just that 
you know, uh, Disney thought it was just too expensive. And so they decided to hire Tom McHugh as the voice of Doug in the Disney version. And even still to this day, Billy West does not like the Disney incarnation. He will tell you up and right up how much he hates it. I mean, Disney not being able to afford, I don't know, it just sounds a bit... Surely they could have like found the money in the back of the sofa or something and just they're putting saving up for Star Wars. <laughs> yes, yes, we need to save our for like, what, what like twenty five years for Star Wars. We need to get yeah. them. <laughs> and before um, I pass it on for like just a general thing, just a quick rundown of some of the characters. Obviously, you got Doug Funny, who is a self conscious, naive, and occasionally sensitive boy who wants to fit in the crowd. Very creative, very imaginative, and has a strong sense of right and wrong. His older sister, Judy, she's like the extrovert. She's obsessed with William Shakespeare, and she's an aspiring actress and artist. Skeeter, Doug's best friend, he's part of the main circle of friends, and he's famous for making honking honking noises. Patty Mayonnaise, who's the love interest and the closest female friend, She's a star athlete with a southern drawl, multiple talents and popular. You got Roger, who's like the the town's local school bully, even though he doesn't act it all the time and he's sometimes friends with them. There's BB Bluff, who is the stereotypically spoiled heiress to the Bluff family fortune. Chalky Stud Baker, a friendly and helpful school jock. Connie, who's the sweet and naive schoolgirl who's Patty's best friend. Buddy Dink, who is the eccentric, purple-skinned, dim-witted retiree who lives next door. Principal Butsevich. Honestly, these names are brilliant. Butsevich, Patty Mayonnaise. Like, yeah, he's, he's an unseen character. And then you got the, the scatterbrained Bob White, who's like, Initially, the the mayor of Bluffington, and then I think he becomes the principal in the Disney version. I actually really liked him. He 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 made me laugh. And uh, right, let me pass it on to you guys. Let's. What did you What did you think about Doug? And did you remember watching Doug growing up? I I remembered watching Doug when I when I watched the Disney version, but um, it's very familiar anyway. I think it's kind of like man and his dog like you said like the kind of charlie brown thing so um it's it's kind of just very familiar to watch um but i hadn't seen hadn't seen i didn't remember any characters didn't remember any storylines or anything like that one thing i did know was um what was his sister's name again judy yeah looked like a, a bloke on the sc- a screen like it's kind of like um uh like a kind of i don't know it's just some like um I can't think of the word. This is geezer with like glasses and things like that. And I was like, and then when it was like, oh, this is my sister. I was like, oh. You mean a beatnik? I don't know what that is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I I think you're referring to like a beatnik, you know, the ones where they have like the glasses and like the berets and they have the bongos and all that kind of stuff. That's exactly what I'm talking about, yeah. Um, (laughs) Beatnik. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't think that's in uh, our vocabulary in this country. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. What would your equivalence be for somebody who hangs around in coffee shops and wears glasses oh, and has a beret head? And... Hipster. Okay, sure. Yeah. I, 
<laughs> yeah, I guess you can call it that. Uh, it's actually funny because when I did my video on about Disney's Doug and his simplicity, I kind of made a hypothesis on why Judy was like that. Uh, you see, the um, the rise of the hipsters and the beatniks from the 1970s was starting to kind of a major comeback in the 90s because they wanted to basically be authoritative to the man. You know, they didn't want to follow in the rules and all that kind of stuff. Uh, they just felt that everything was just becoming really cynical and corporate and all that stuff. So uh, essentially, you know, it was just something that came around and it was like throughout pretty much the entirety of the 90s where you see at least one hipster character in that form. I think the latest one that was in that particular trend was like an extremely goofy movie, which came out in 2000. And then after a while, the whole trend just died away and it made up for a new batch of hipsters, which involved with um, enjoying some kind of weird rainbow thing in a mug and some avocado toast. Brilliant. Brilliant. I think for me, I um, remember watching the Nickelodeon Doug on Saturday mornings like I, I don't really remember Disney's Doug. I remember the old, old version of Doug. And then I think there was a simplicity about the old Doug that I really liked. Like you could just tell it was raw and it just came out and you could see that they were experimenting, trying things out. And I think with Disney's Doug, I think what they had was a, something of a, of a complete product. And they thought, you know what, right now that we've got, Disney money, right? We can do this. We can make them nicer, brighter. Instead of like Roger having a big jacket, he's going to have the the cut and he's going to look all cool and things like that. And I think Disney's Doug maybe over-egged the egg a little bit. Yeah, I mean, the, the animation was nice and polished and stuff like that. It looked great. You can't really take that away from it. Yeah. Um, but, but I'm not really sure if that was the point in the first place. Um, in the original... My favorite character by far was Mr. Dink. He was like, <laughs> he was absolutely hilarious. Everything he did made me laugh. Oh, oh hey, Doug. Uh, why, why do I show you to the restaurant? Come and watch this video in my house. And yeah, that's oh the thing. God. The first introduction you have to <laughs> yeah. this guy, and this is not a great lesson for kids, is that he takes him into his house and Doug's like, he just okay. jumps out of like, <laughs> the bushes, jumps out of the bushes. He's like, yes, come to my house and watch videos with me. Yeah. I'm like, what's going on here? Stranger danger, Doug. Stranger danger. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's um, it's an American thing as well. I mean, all, that's... everyone's all not, not, not obviously not jumping out the bushes and things like that. Not, not that. But I think the whole friendly element. Everyone always wanting to talk to you and neighbors and what have you. I guess it depends on where, because. Uh, due to the fact that Jim Jenkins grew up in Richmond, Virginia, which maybe it was like a very small suburban area. And since it was based off of his childhood, which you could kind of argue that, you know, it's trying to take it back to like maybe the 50s or the 60s or something that, you know, it has that welcoming, oh, you know, town where everybody knows your name and it has all these people that want to welcome you and they want to be your friends and such. But I think nowadays when you look at it, it's like, no, Doug, don't go after, don't go into Mr. Dink's house, stranger danger, stranger danger. <laughs> stranger danger. Oh, that takes me back to like what year two assembly and like the man in like a high-vis jacket, you know, 
don't talk to strangers if he's offering you sweets and, and all that, all that, yeah, all that but stuff. To yeah. be fair, I mean, he was just trying to be very welcoming because I'm sure that, you know, he doesn't get neighbors very often that they would come on by and they come from Bloatsburg, which is far away from Bluffington. And so he has this, for some reason, he has this hometown video showcasing everything about Bluffington, about the mall, about Honkerberger, about the, you know, where the nematodes are at. It's like really interesting. It's like, I mean, if I were to go over to your place, would you give me a, a DVD of everything that ha- that you have in your town? I don't think I have a DVD of everything in my town. Yeah, I think nowadays we have the internet, so we can just look up the stuff that we need to. But I take it that in, you know, the 90s. I think I remember, like, when I first moved to Florida, I got this VHS tape about all the things that you can see in Disney World. So uh, I think that, you know, those kind of things are not like really there. I mean, the only time I wish I can think of that's the closest is that, you know, those official, I don't know if you have this in the UK, but uh, in the US, we have the websites for every single individual state. And they would have like a two to three minute video of on YouTube about like, you know, come to this particular place, you know, we have this, we have that, uh, all that kind of things. I don't know. We, we have a website of each individual county. And it says what day the bins get taken out. And how to complain about parking? Yeah, I think that. that's, that's what we yeah. need to know here. I doubt, I yeah. doubt, I doubt, I could, I could like pull out a two-minute video of Ilford. It would be anything other than just stop. Who cares? Move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess it does make a lot of sense because um, you know the family had just settled into the house and they were looking for something to eat, and they were saying like, "Hey, go next door to see if uh, you can find somebody who can tell you of the nearest burger place," as opposed to like, "Hey, son, uh, go look through your phone and see if uh, you know where the nearest McDonald's is." Uh, you know, so yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, times have definitely changed over the over the past thirty years. Completely, yeah. I was having that discussion this um, this morning actually with my wife. That it's back in you know back in the day, if you wanted to know something, you read a book or you spoke to someone. Like yellow you know, pages. You yeah, yeah, the yellow pages. Exactly. You yeah. couldn't just like find out information. Like, there's so many things that I've done, like you know, fixing my car or or, or you know, figuring something else out. That I just check my phone, a quick video, a quick article, whatever it is. I mean, to be honest, you don't even have to read it anymore. You just watch a video. Um, and then you you learn how to do it. And then before that, you had to go to the library. You go to a book. You you know you go you do a course or you speak to a professional or something like that. So I think the world's changed like ridiculous amount. I think we kind of mentioned it before, but I think if we move on to episodes and we'll try and keep it in as much order as we can. So I think the pilot was Doug Bags and Nematode. Yes. Well, I mean, technically, that was the first episode. The first pilot episode is called Doug Can't Dance. I mean, because you know what? Like, when I I, I actually managed to watch Doug Can't Dance and Doug Bags and Nematode, but I think it makes sense that that was the first one because he's literally going, right, we've moved in. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. It it sets, sets the scene and it kind of sets it up. And then the next one is his first day at school which is and then the um right right but you can definitely tell looking from doug can't dance to doug bags and nematode is that the animation in doug can't dance is much rougher than doug bags and nematode Mm. which you can definitely tell that that is the first episode (laughs) yeah i mean 
I could, yeah, I mean, I, I, I quite like that it was a bit rough around the edges. It's kind of like, yeah, I, 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 I can empathise with something being rough around the edges and not being perfect. And, you know, like when you're colouring something in and you don't necessarily colour within the lines and you've yeah, got little yeah. bit sticking out. I mean, yeah, cool. again, going into like how things have changed, it's like the reason why Jim Jenkins drew the style of Doug the way it is is because he was heavily influenced by just doodling. Like he would constantly draw and draw and draw and that fit the style of the show. If you were to do something like that for today's cartoons, people will say it's lazy and it's inconsistent and it's rough and, uh, you know, something like that would not be... Um, you know, approved by today's standards, especially with everything being on computers and everything needs to look clean and yeah. sharp and shiny yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Right. So um, in terms of you, Paul, what did you watch Bags and Nematode or Doug Can't Dance or did you? I didn't even know that that was not the pilot. <laughs> uh, oh, was that Bags, not the first one you watched? Doug, Doug Bags and Nematode was the first one I watched. Oh, okay. So we can just kind of talk about that one then. Um, yeah, and we've kind of touched on it already, to be honest. Um, you guys are going to be able to flesh this out way more than, than I wrote notes on, but uh, my quick overview was uh, Doug moves to Bluffington. Uh, it makes the population 2000, uh, sorry, 20,001. Oh, that's then, a good spot, that. I totally uh, forgot. That's a, that's a great spot, because, yeah, it's a little timer thing. Says, oh, yeah, and he's like, I am the one. Um <laughs> Uh, then the, one of the first thing that made me laugh about this was that the dog is in the boot. <laughs> What's that? Um, the dog's in the boot of the car. Oh, so they are not kind of. That he's a vegetarian, but that. Yeah, no, because you don't know he's a vegetarian now. Um. Uh. So yeah, pork chops in the in the boot of the car, and he kind of just hops out. <laughs> oh. Um, <laughs> Um, so, uh, Doug's worried about getting new friends. Um, his dad's a snapper and he's got a job at a store in the, in the town. Uh, they have a quick family photo. Uh, so Doug gets sent to get some burgers and then he goes into, um, Mr. Dink's house. Um, yeah. So he said, oh, he takes Doug into his house, even though he said no. So Doug said, no, I've got to go. And he still kind of drags him inside. So I thought that's quite, um, an interesting bit. <laughs> Um, uh, so Doug goes to get burgers. Skeeter comes in to help him order because he tries to order, and they're like, "I want a, he want, I want a cheeseburger." And he says some completely different words. I don't yeah, even know. Yeah, funny what he names. Says. I, I had an, I wrote that note. Funny names for burgers and fry, but yeah. salad, salad from the salad bar is exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I did translate um Patty's name to uh, into English, uh, and it translates directly into burger sauce. Um, so what do you mean? Because her name's Patty Mayonnaise, right? Well, Patty's like a burger thing. Oh! Mayonnaise. It's a sauce, right? I'm guessing that's what... <laughs> oh! It's a, it's a, do, you, do you have that in, why would in, you in name, the US? Yeah, why would you name someone Patty Mayonnaise? Is that even a real... I mean, Patty, I can kind of get that. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a, it's kind of like a running joke because apparently, from what I understand, Constance Schulzman was actually in a mayonnaise commercial in the 80s. And Jim and his wife saw her and she's like, I like that girl. You know, I think she would be a really good girl for your show. 
And I guess that's part of the joke. A joke that none of us kids would have gotten because we didn't watch that kind of stuff in the 80s. Is that where that actually came from? Patty I think I, w- I don't... I, I, that's just a theory, but I think that's like part of the joke. I think the mayonnaise part. As for the patty part, I do not know. I think that theory holds up, to be fair. I mean, it's the best we've got. <laughs> and so, yeah, he meets, um, he meets Roger... And Roger kind of tricks him into saying that, oh, if you catch a nematode, you're going to be a, a town hero. So you've got to come to um, the lake or the swamp or whatever it was at like six in the morning or something. Yeah, Stetson's Pond. Stetson's, yeah, that's Stetson's Pond. Yep. And then so he has to like stand on all fours, make some weird, funny noise. Yeah, cuckoo or something like that. You know? <laughs> that's the one, yeah. Oh, yeah I, I, did, I did giggle. Watch it. That. that is that is like the, the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I mean, Not gonna it, I did laugh at that. And so, yeah, obviously, surprise, surprise, there's no such thing as a nematode. And Porkchop dresses up, or he's like in some, he goes in some ditch somewhere and he comes out, and they all think, ah, that's the nematode, that's the nematode. And then Roger's, it ends with Roger going outside and he's like, oh, where's, where's the nematode? Where's the nematode? And yeah. I mean, it's kind of like your nice little redemption arc about, like, the bully is the one that gets troubled in the end, uh, which happens pretty much all the time in Doug. It's like there's there's almost no occasion in which Roger comes out on top, unless it's justified. Right, so uh, Doug can't dance. I mean, that's probably the real pilot, isn't it? It it, it is. Yeah, so basically there's a dance coming up on the school, and uh, Doug is making his slug costume. Yes. And then Roger comes along and uh, he says, oh, you're going to the dance with Patty Mayonnaise of all people. She's the best dancer in the school. Do you know how to dance? How many dance contests have you won? How many dances have you been a part of? And he's like, uh, none. And he's like, well, face it, buddy. You can't dance. Everybody's going to laugh at you. Yeah. And so throughout the entire episode, he is struggling and he is trying to find a way to learn how to dance he asked mr dink he asked skeeter and then as time went on he just learns to just go to the dance anyway and just um be himself and then uh you know patty comes along and she's dressed up as like a flower and um you have uh you know doug slowly learn how to dance from patty and then roger and his gang are dressed up as tools like he's a hammer i like that he said that oh i'm dressed up as a hammer and he's like it's hammer time you can hear in the background kind of similar-ish mc MC hammer Hammer. kind of music i thought that was very very well done like i i love puns and things like that i can just pick up on 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 the tv i was just yeah love that yeah that, that was pretty clever, yeah. And so, basically, Roger, you know, he grabs some ice so that he can be able to put it down into Doug's costume, and then he slips and falls, and you have, um, you know, uh, Doug uh, having his uh, foot hurt because Roger bashed on him, even though that it's a, a costume. I mean, it should either be made out of, like, a balloon or maybe, like, pillows or felt or whatever but no it, apparently it hurts his foot like a real hammer and he's like bouncing around and everybody's thinking that oh this is the new it's a really dance. cool dance yeah, yeah, so come everybody, on, everybody. yeah everybody does it it was a, again it was a, a nice lovely ending and a nice happy ending which mm-hmm. which i really really like so uh that was another another fun episode so episode four you watched that didn't you paul 
Yeah, so actually, I enjoyed this episode because I was a member of the Scouts. Um, so it starts off uh, where Doug joins the Scouts and he's doing the Scouts promise going, uh, dip, dip, dip thing. Um, I promise that I'll do my best. And I don't know what the American one is, to be honest, but. You mean like the Boy Scouts? Yes, Boy Scouts, yeah. So he's off in the woods doing his little. So what we had in the UK, and this is the same, they, they kind of go to a camp and they all gather around this kind of thing and they do the Scouts promise, I promise. I'm not sure what they the um the thing is um but it's like i promise i'll do my best for god and for the queen and help each other out. i will do my best for queen and for country isn't that the uk one yeah yeah something like that yeah um so so anyway god um so doug is doing the the scouts promise thing when he comes up there um and then roger's like uh, i'll team up with him he's like um to the leader he's like oh hey i'll take care of him mr dink um uh i won't I won't, I'll show him around the, the woods and that because it's scary for new for new guys and this and that and the other. Um, and uh, Doug is actually quite scared about going into woods. He's really nervous about all the all the things he sees and all he thinks he's going to see. Anyway, so they go on a walk um, and they go sorry they go to the camp um, and Roger says you got to hold you got to hold all of this stuff and he says don't worry I'll take your bag and they go to the camp and when they when they go to the camp um, they've. Uh, Rogers put his underpants on a flagpole and said, "This is your our new f- camp flag." Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, very salute your shorts esque. Uh, it's, it's, it's quite, uh, it's kind of humiliating him. And he goes into the, um, he goes into the the woods, uh, and he's still kind of teasing him about being scared. But then they come across this, they get sent on a hike to go and find something, something, something fun and exciting. So, and then they get their badge. So when they come back, uh, so when they go out, uh, they find a snake. Doug's not scared of it. He's teasing it. When this is one question I actually wanted to ask you. I'm glad you're on, Patricia, because in the US, there's snakes that can kill you, right? And in the UK, there's nothing. There's, I don't think there's any wildlife that can kill you in the UK. Um, and he's kind of playing with this snake. I'm like, that, that thing well, I mean, I, I know that certain snakes, um, they have like colors, like, you know, like if, if it's like a, a red or yellow snake that have like certain stripes, then, and then that's, uh, you know, you have to be careful of that because some of them are venomous. Other places, if you're going camping, they may have like um, even rattlesnakes. Uh, I, when I went to um, uh, a canoeing trip in Idaho, there were rattlesnakes that we had to be careful of as well as bears. So I was saying, um, so yeah, it looked like a regular garter snake, you know, those snakes that you would find in the garden while you're picking your tomatoes. So it, it looked pretty harmless. If it had like, if it was a longer snake with fangs and it was, it was the kind of one that can like choke you like an anaconda, then I can be uh, understandable on why Roger would be afraid of it. But since it's a little tiny snake, uh, Doug's like, it's not a big deal. It's very friendly. And he even them and starts licking him like if it was a dog or a cat or something it's like wow that is the friendliest snake i've ever seen in my life he's actually just like uh tasting him see if he's <laughs> 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 um the thing is like i'm with roger on this one i wouldn't get close enough to see if it's a friendly one or not a friendly one um in the uk our only venomous steak is an adder and that's only about two feet long or something like this this big um um and then, so he tames, so Doug tames it. He tames this snake and he, and he takes it back to the, um, takes back to the camp. Uh, meanwhile, obviously Roger's got scared of it and he's like, doesn't want him to take it back to the thing because everyone else is going to see him that he's scared. So he's showing it to everyone and everyone's kind of handling the snake and they're passing along this line and Roger's at the end of it. And then 
Doug has this kind of this choice to make, moral choice. Do I humiliate him like he's humiliated me, or do I take the moral high ground and you know not humiliate him? So he chooses to step in when when the uh, when the the snake was about to get handed to Roger. He kind of says, "Oh no, look! What he can do is this trick where he sits up straight." Um, so he takes him away and saves Roger for that thing. And then Roger's kind of like pats him on the back, saying, "Oh, that's really nice. Thanks, thanks for doing that. Things are going to change between us. I'm going to, I'm going to let you lend me some money, and maybe I'll borrow, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll borrow your bike." And he sticks to like kind of kick me thing. Um, so it's kind of like a, like the equilibrium is kind of reestablished. Um, but it's kind of a little funny, jokey way. So he said, "You're still going to get a kick in, but I like you a bit better now." Oh. I mean, I think logically, I then then I think I watched um, Doug to the rescue. See, I really like this episode. So this is where Roger is basically annoying Patty to help him with his book report, and so they're they're all in the classroom and. He's just like, yeah, help me out, help me out. She's basically like, shut up, shut up, shut up. And so the teacher's like, oh, if you two don't be quiet, you're going to get detention. And he keeps on bothering her. And she just was like, oh, just leave me alone. And then they both have to go to detention. And then I think Doug joins them. And I think this is where, is this the first time we see Quail Man? Um, no, it's not. There was a previous episode that was uh, a feature of Quail Man. Um, yeah, I think that's the episode, if I remember, if I am going to think about it, it's like, uh, uh, there was one episode where I do know that uh, was the introduction of Quail Man. I'm, I'm trying to remember what it was called, but Doug is Quail Man. That's what it was called. So yeah, Doug is Quail Man is supposed to be um, this episode. I, I think maybe maybe it was the first introduction because that was when um, you have Roger, um, you know, coming over to Doug and saying, hey, you know, you uh, stop talking, uh, you know, because I'm trying to bother Patty for this. I think that you're right. I think it may have been, been, may have been the first one because um, uh, you have, um, you know, Doug drawing Roger as like Dr. Klotzenstein. And uh, he is like using his quail eye where he's making him like, um, you know, stupefied where he's like rendering him useless. And then he kind of does something similar to, uh, Roger, where Doug is just like staring at him and he's not even like putting up a fist or anything like that. And he's just saying, I am beating you, Roger. I am fighting you. And he's just like staring at him. Like, you know, uh, and then of course, Mr. Bone comes along and just breaks up the fight and that's pretty much it. So, yeah. yeah. But I think um, I did like in, in the class, I think he manages to like nail um, Roger, but I think it was completely by accident. And that's what it was like, yeah, yeah, we're going to. We have a big old scrap outside once uh, the tension is over, and then that's when he he's Quail Man, and he's just like with his eyes, and his eyes all going funny, and yeah, I I I really like that. And it, again, it was Doug showing how nice he is because he saw that Patty was being like she was like he was like Roger was getting on her last nerve, and he thought, right, I've got to try and step in and i've got to try and be be there for for my friend so i i I really i really like that did you watch um any more season one episodes paul yeah just one more um uh, it was called 
Um, and it goes on from what you said about the what they called the beatniks. Is that what it's, was that? What it's... Uh, yeah, I guess you, I guess you can call it that. that sure. So I kind of. <laughs> uh, so this one was called Doug Rocks, um, and Skeeter likes this band called the Beats, right? And and he, and he gets dug into them, and Mr. Bink has made it. This is great. This, I absolutely love this. this. Is one of the things that made me really like Mr. Bink. He's <laughs> I'm not sure if he's made or you come across a device <laughs> that plays an entire album of music in one noise. <laughs> so like so you literally press play it goes like a big explosion basically and all of like the, all of the music everything is compressed into like a millisecond of noise um <laughs> so so i really really enjoyed that um what else uh oh sorry wrong one um so yeah so that was kind of like a little just a little snippet they go to they're going to um Doug's house uh rogers but rogers outside and he says i've got tickets to see the beats and they're having a concert like tonight uh then there's a radio competition so that and they they they're, they're giving away free tickets if you know the answer to these questions so they call they go back to skeeter's house and they call up the radio radio station and they um end up getting all the questions right one of them was by mistakes and he says um i can't remember what he says he says something and he's like um oh he said beats me like uh, what's the answer to this question he goes oh beats me i don't know and that was the answer to the um the thing is like what was the name of this album it was called beats me so um they're having dinner at uh, skeeter's house and skeeter's dad goes mad because he's kind of making a racket at the table dinner table and he goes mad he says right and he has this thing where he counts to doesn't count to 10 he's like one two ten and he's like that's it you're in trouble you're grounded go upstairs you can't go to the concert so when they're upstairs they start like kind of pretending they're at a concert and doing a kind of air guitar whatever own concert and the dad gets mad because you can see the lights swinging from the living room and stuff like this and he gets even mad and sends them outside and they go to the burger place and the beats come to there and it's and it's basically the beatles so you've got like a all the beatles just come out you've got that kind of um ringo star and stuff like that just um but it's, it's obviously they're not saying it's them but it it's them and it couldn't be anyone else um so uh then they give them jackets and stuff like that and to have a little kind of jam session with them um so they really enjoy that like, over the moon um then roger comes in and he's like bragging because he's been to this concert and they haven't gone to the concert um and then he says um i or i could almost make them out from the binoculars because i was in the back row <laughs> so he's like, like how close did you get well i could almost make them out with my binoculars um yeah, and that's the uh, that's the end of it. Yeah, that's all my season ones. Cool. Um, I did watch the finale. So Doug says goodbye. So this was the season finale for season one. So this is part of um, he thinks that Skeeter is uh, moving away, but Doug like he can't believe it because that's obviously his best mate. And then Skeeter's like, you know what? I'm gonna secretly move in with you, Doug. And then I think his parents get worried and then he decides to go back and then he's not actually moving. He's, he's actually moving to a new room. So he's going to be in the basement. So then he's like, oh yeah, I can listen to as much, as much of the beats as I want. And I've actually got my notes here going that the beats was a mix between the Beatles and the who. Not sure if that's uh a completely accurate depiction, but that's why. Oh, because they did the they did the microphone swinging thing as well. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah, I was trying to figure out where I'd seen that before. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's my uh, that's my season one. Okay. Did you watch any season two, Paul? No, I went straight on to Disney, so you can skip. Oh, did you went to seasons. you went to the other one then? Okay, so now I'll just skittle through then. So Doug's lucky hat. 
So basically, there's a mysterious hat that just kind of floats onto Doug's head. All the luck in the world comes to Doug's way. And then he thinks the hat's lucky. And then Roger's like, you know what? I want the hat. I want the hat. So he basically nicks the hat. And so he's like, oh, I've got um, an English exam or something. He ends up getting a D minus, which apparently is a pass. And so, yeah, anyway, that episode basically ends with the hat flying off again. And I've got here on my notes, Jim Jenkins claimed that this was his favorite storyline of the Nickelodeon series. Now It is. That that was his favorite episode. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was his favorite episode. Could have could have picked a couple more. From being honest, I mean, I yeah, I I agree. Like, I think that his quail, well, his quailmen and his uh, the the beats episodes or mm. any episodes focusing on their other characters are my favorite. But he said that you know it was based off of uh, you know a piece of like uh, a clothing that he had that he considered to be really lucky or that he had like the perfect day, yeah. and so it was like very personal to his life, which is uh, again, which is why I understand why he loves that episode so much. Fair but enough. but you know, I mean, as for somebody like a standalone person, it's like it's eh, it's fine. Yeah, because it, it was. I mean, it it was it was fine. It was kind of there sort of thing but yeah it was yeah, just I there think, yeah and and the last episode of the nickelodeon doug which i believe was doug graduates yeah so yeah they're um, basically going to be graduating and doug is one of the things about doug is that he don't like change yeah. so he's obviously feeling a bit sad about leaving so he's trying to find principal butsovich to talk to him but but savage yeah but savage or but yeah he, he a, can't find a, him anywhere it, it, you know what it regardless it's a weird name it, it it, he's a character that's never been seen throughout the entire yeah. series because we've seen mr bone as the assistant principal so it's like oh you know mr but savage is going to uh you know give uh you know he's gonna be um you know the principal and he's you know apparently it's gonna be the last time that you're ever gonna see him because after this you're never gonna see him again and so it's like pretty much doug's mission to go see mr but savage yeah and so obviously he's going into the office he sees roger and obviously roger's feeling the same because he's like oh i've been in the sixth grade for god knows how many how many years i don't really want change and and things like that but um he convinces roger and himself in the end that the new school's going to be great and when they're basically lining up to get their um diploma thingy so he and then they're all like, "Oh, where you been? The principal was here. The principal was here." And he's like, "Oh, I don't feel so, so nervous anymore." And they graduate. We'll just quickly go through Disney's Doug now. And, oh, um, <laughs> I mean, the first episode I watched from the Disney's Doug was Doug's New School. I know this wasn't the first episode, but for me, I thought this would be a good kind of place to kind of start off. So it's the first day of seventh grade, and it's all a bit bit of a mess because they don't even have the name of the school it just basically has a sign where it says name school here or whatever and so they're like oh what we're gonna do what we're gonna do and they're like oh we're gonna have a, a competition so mayor white now is principal white and he's like okay we'll um have a little competition and see what we name the school and doug who had a really this was awful so he's wanted to call it learning is educational which you know the initials is basically lie and so he's going around thinking oh this is a, a great name a great idea and then patty i can't even remember what she came up with and that was even worse than what doug came up with 
And so they're all like squab, and they end up squabbling with each other, and they're all going, "Oh, my name's better," and "No, my name's better." And then I think um, they decide to call it. Was it BB Bluff? Yeah, they called it after the um, the, the the big mayor and and. Well, and no, they, they named it after um, you know, yeah, it wasn't. It was um, yeah, the rich guy, um, Mr. Bluff, because. Yeah, because he's the richest man in Bluffington because, you know, he's the descendant of Thaddeus Bluff, who is the founder of Bluffington, even though in a previous episode of the Nickelodeon, Doug, it was proven not to be. That's a complicated story there. But anyways, so yeah, so basically the reason why the school was there in the first place is because in the first episode, which is called Doug's Last Birthday, um, the the middle school that they were supposed to go to originally was decimated with by termites and so mr bluff was trying to find a school for bb and so they decided to use the land that used to belong to the trailers that roger and his family were living and so the the you know so basically they used all of that land and then you know well i'm sure we'll get to that later but you know basically it, it picks up from that episode in which now they're just thinking about names for the school and because you know mr bluff you know is partially responsible for the school being built in the first place is like i'm gonna name it after my daughter which completely just wastes time throughout this entire episode where people were just getting angry over nothing this episode sucks <laughs> and roger becomes rich doesn't he yes he does he used to live in the trailer park and now he's He's come on to a bit of money. I think um, there's one more episode that I want to talk about, really, with um, the Disney's Doug. And this was Doug's chubby buddy. Oh, God. <laughs> so this, yeah, this episode was... I'm watching it and I'm like, it's quite a, a serious subject matter, you know? It's not it, like... Yeah. It's not like a typical... Your typical cartoon. So, yeah, basically, Patty is worrying that she's getting fat even though she's not because she's watching a commercial and it's talking about how little blobs of fat can run about and just attach herself to the body. And which that doesn't work that way. Yeah, I'll I'll just that, you know. that, 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 that doesn't happen like that. And then she decides to go on a, a diet and exercise routine. She's just basically running like Forrest Gump all over the place and not really sure where she's going exactly. And she can't stop and she's not even eating. And then it appears that she's developing anorexia nervosa. And basically she passes out because she goes three days without without eating. And apparently I read that they did a, a little, not like, like a public broadcast message. Yeah, they did. They did a broadcast message as soon as the episode was over, letting them know about that. It, it, it's kind of like, sim- I guess it's kind of like similar to the Full House episode, if you remember, where DJ goes on a diet because she wants to be just like the models in the magazine. So it was like a it was like a very common story bit that they used to do back then. It's like, oh, you know, you have to uh, be skinny so that you can look like this person, even though that that's crap. You shouldn't be able to do that because you're risking your health. Yeah, exactly. Is there any more Disney Doug or can we go to the finale? So it's about them finally going over to the seventh grade. This is when Mr. Mayonnaise and Miss Crystal finally gets married. And, um, you know, a whole bunch of things are going on with, you know, Doug's voice changing. Uh, Cleopatra dirt bike, funny as saying her first word. So it's actually a pretty good closure to the series. Yeah. Like, yeah, I thought that that was saying. a nice way to, like, end things off. So yeah. I have to give the kudos for that. So, yeah. yeah, that's all I have to say about Disney's Doug. 
I mean, yeah, like Yuck said, Doug's marriage madness. And then I think it ends with Patty asking Doug on a date to the upcoming Summer Moon Festival. Yeah. And Doug reaching the last page of his journal. And Porkchop gives Doug a new journal so he can write new adventures to fit in. And yeah, Which they the never last... do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you go. And yeah, so long. It's been fun, your friend Doug. And that's how Doug came to an end. So yeah, any any final words on Doug, Paul? No, you guys nailed it, man. I was just listening to you guys chat. Um, um, no, I've got nothing to say. It's 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 a really quite a sweet cartoon. Like everything's in the right place. I really like the animation. You touched on it earlier; it's a little bit rough and ready in places, but I really think that adds to the charm. Um, and I think we spoke about it last was it last week or the week before? Where you know, I think us as like kind of older people like grew up growing up with these cartoons we like the drawing and we like the rough and ready style and the, you know the real side of it whereas you know kids nowadays maybe oh, like stop motion CGI we're talking about, stuff. Yeah. yeah yeah exactly so maybe they're like the cgi more but these these like hand-drawn things and the animation and this kind of style we can kind of see the brush strokes and things like that i really like it yeah i i do as well and yeah like i said i i fairly enjoyed it as a kid and i enjoyed it again when i was um when i was watching doug so uh good stuff there so now we're talking about the weekenders so we're going back to february 2000 and uh, some of the things happening in the world taja halonen is elected the first finnish female president the last original peanuts comic strip appears in newspapers one day after charles m schultz dies Cats, Broadway's longest-running production, shuts down after 18 years. Scream 3 was in the cinemas. And Moving Too Fast by Artful Dodger and Romina Johnson was in the charts. And so The Weekenders, this was an American animated TV series created by Doug Langdale. Centers on the weekend life of four 12 year old seventh graders, Tino, Law, Carver, and Tish. And it yeah, details what they do in the weekend. There's Tino Tonettini, who's a witty, humorous Italian American boy. You got Lorraine Law Macquarie, who's a tomboyish, somewhat short tempered Scottish American girl. Carver Descartes, who's a proud, confident, African-American boy and Petra Tishkovna Katsufrakis or Tish. She's an intellectual and bibliophilic Jewish-American girl of Russian descent. And it was actually known for its distinctive animation style, similar to shows produced by Klasky Supo, such as Rocket Power and As Told by Ginger. And one of the few animated series where characters' outfits change from episode to episode. That's what I'm talking about. And it's set in the fictional city of Bahia Bay, which is based on San Diego, where the creator lived. The theme song, Living for the Weekend, was performed by Wayne Brady. And one article that I did like before I pass on to you guys was... um, 25 Reasons Why Disney Should Never Have Cancelled The Weekenders. This was written by Nina Mohan on BuzzFeed. Some of the stuff that I picked up that I liked was that they weren't afraid to break the fourth wall. They changed clothes in capital letters. They were all about calling 
their parents out on their BS. And despite being 12, they had the sickest comebacks, which made me laugh. I think Law saying to Tino, you have a pretty good posture for someone who has no backbone. That made me me laugh. And the other thing I wrote was that they also understood how time and youth are fleeting, which is, I think it's really, really true because kids... They want to like rush into growing up, and it's like I tell I tell this to like you know my little cousins or whatever. Like it ain't all that growing up, going to work, having responsibilities and things like that. It's it's definitely not worth definitely not worth the hassle. So um, yeah, let's talk about the weekenders. What did you guys think? I I didn't even know this show existed. I'd never heard of it before. Um... I enjoyed it. Kind of an anime s kind of like drawing style. I found of the characters. Um, not sure if anyone else agrees with that, but I didn't. I didn't pick up the anime, but I. I don't it's know. Like, maybe not, it's, like, it's very slight. It's not obviously. It's not because anime is yeah. more about the, the thing. But if yeah, it had it had something about it that kind of reminded me of anime. It wasn't. Um, yeah, I've got things to say about the show later. <laughs> but what I was gonna say was what I, I I remember watching this as a kid. It always it always like it would come on in the summertime for some. That was when I always remembered watching this program when it was like really really sunny, really really nice weather, and yeah, it would just come on the telly and. It took me a while to realize, and this is so so daft, and I can't believe I didn't notice. But it took me quite a few episodes to realize that the episode happens over a weekend. And it's just like, and it's called the Weekenders, and I was like, I was like, ah. I mean, it's not gonna happen. I mean, it's not gonna happen on a Tuesday afternoon, is it? Because most the likely is, they'd be in school. But the thing is, like, normally on a cartoon, the day of the week isn't necessarily referenced unless it's important in the episode, right? It just happens true, on any true. any particular day. So it's just when I, I think it must have been like the second the second episode or something, or really late towards the end of the episode when this is like Saturday, and I was like, was the last slide I saw Friday? Was that was this happening over a weekend? And I was like, damn it. It's called the weekenders. So that's when it tends to tends to happen. What about you, Patricia? Did you actually remember watching this show or I, I briefly saw it when I was a kid. Uh I must have been well, I mean it was probably like thirteen, but um I, I saw like bits of it, but I was already familiar with all the other stuff on uh, you know, the, the lineup like Recess and uh, Lloyd in Space and uh, Fillmore and all those other slices of life cartoons. I, I didn't like watch it religiously, but I did see it from time to time. And this was like the first time in a long time that I actually like marathon through at least like half of the episodes because I've, I, you know, I've only saw like maybe like one or two episodes and then I've never seen the rest. Uh, this was like when I was in my phase where I was feeling like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm getting into my teenage years. Maybe I'm getting too old for this. So I was like leaning a little bit more towards anime and other live action shows. So and then, you know, when, um, you know, around I mean, it came out the same year as I was told by Ginger, although it came out in October as opposed to this show coming out in February. So. Yeah, um, the, so I didn't really grow up with this show. I mean, I just know it existed. So that's all I have to say pretty much about it. And, you know, for somebody who had like little to no nostalgia on this show and, you know, coming into it like pretty much fresh, knowing uh, all the other slice of life cartoons that came out during that time, it's mm, fine. I'm just going to let you know. It's just fine. I think it's like somewhere in the middle. 
I mean, because for me, like you say that, oh, you you kind of felt that it was one of those cartoons where you thought you might be too old to watch it. I think yeah. as a kid, right? Like, not as a kid, I can't remember. Uh, how old was I in the year 2000? I must have been about 12, so about maybe similar age to you. Yeah, I, I felt that I could actually watch this and not feel like it was a sort of a, a babyish cartoon. I mean, it makes a lot of sense because the characters were twelve as well. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm watching it then, and I'm thinking, oh, this is this is a really easy to watch cartoon. Yeah, they all seem pretty much like they're not like pre like pre high school or things like that. They yeah, but then again, yeah, so like middle school, so that's where they're at that kind of stage in their life. So I can kind of relate in terms of that that age group and right right with 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 some of the characters i can kind of pick out little things that they do at the time and i'm thinking oh i can kind of see myself in a little bit in what tino does or what carver does and i can pick up slight two things so at so at that time i i did whenever it used to come on i, I would i would watch it i would enjoy it again it wouldn't be something that i would go out of my way and and look for like sure. like a recess or like or a hey arnold or a hey arnold exactly you wouldn't be one where you're like oh when's the weekenders coming on yeah i mean it, it's 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 came on it yeah sure if it came on you watched it it's not like a show that you would like be crazy to watch like the next episode because uh you know it's it's pretty standard for a typical you know cartoon that came out during this time period um, but yeah, I guess we can start talking about some of the episodes. So, you know, again, I was watching this for the first time, uh, in like 20 years, you know, believe it or not, the show came out 20 years ago. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, pretty much every, almost, well, I mean, I didn't see, I, like I said, I only saw half of the series, but most of the episodes that I did see, they pretty much were like B for B plots that I've seen in pretty much almost every single slice of life cartoon that came out. It's like, oh, um, you know, the first episode, which is called Crush Test Dummies. So Lore thinks that Carver uh, Carter has a crush on her and she's like, you know, really nervous about like telling him or like or something like that. But no, Carter is afraid that Lore had a crush on him. So basically he's like trying to find a way to ignore her and uh, you know, not interact with her, even though that in reality Lore had a crush on somebody else. And it's, it's, I've seen this before in Doug, you know, that episode, um, you know, Doug's um, secret admirer where Doug receives a letter from his locker and it said, oh, you know, you have a secret admirer, but you know, it's BB. And it's like, oh, but I don't like BB. Uh, so, you know, he, he tries to stay away from her and maybe, and then eventually approaches her. And then very similar to the episode of the weekenders, it was just a simple misunderstanding. Um, you know, a very, you know, the recess did the same thing in which they thought that, uh, TJ and Spinelli had a thing together. Uh, Arthur did the same thing in which they thought Arthur and Francine liked each other. So yeah, it's a pretty typical story that I've seen before. And also the following episode, Grow Up, where, you know, Tino's in this bounce house and he's bouncing around and he's having fun and he's happy. And then everybody's laughing at him and then he tries to be mature Again, I've seen this before. You know, it's like, oh, um, you know, I don't like fun. Fun is for kids. I'm going to be an adult and I'm going to wear a suit and tie. I'm going to 
pretend I have back issues, even though that I don't. And yeah, I mean, I, I do like the moral though of, you know, the fact that, you know, he didn't care what everybody thought of until, um, you know, he saw the bounce house again and, you know, everybody was like jumping on it and then he decides to jump in and then everybody's laughing and then they're like, wait a minute, that looks like fun. I'm going to jump in. So yeah, I, I, I did like the morals in that, but Again, it's just something that I've seen before. Uh, I mean, it's not like with Recess or Hey Arnold or As Told by Ginger in which they were able to shake up the fr- uh, the formula a little bit. And they were able to give us episodes that a lot of people remember because it took that kind of risk. So um, another episode that I thought was, uh, you know, that, that I saw next was episode two of Shoes of Destiny where, you know, he, uh, you know, uh, Carter saw a pair of shoes and he wants to wear it so that he could be part of the cool kids. Doug did a very similar episode in which that, you know, he saw a pair of tennis shoes that belonged to this cool basketball player and he wants to own it because, you know, he thinks it'll make him good at basketball. And so eventually he just like, you know, the shoes don't make the person, I make the person. And, um, you know, we, uh, although the one thing that I did like about that episode where, you know, he was saying about like, I want to be part of the cool kids, you know, cool, amazing, radical person. And it stands for carp. And he's like, at least it wasn't cool, radical, amazing person, which is crap. So that actually was pretty funny. I I thought that that was a pretty clever joke. Um, so yeah, I mean, in terms of season one, I'll I'll just talk about one particular episode that I did like, which was to be or not to be. So basically, Trish is missing out on on a weekend with her mates because she was trying out to be in a Shakespeare play, a Midsummer's Night Dream, which I when I was in year six or the sixth grade, we did a, a class assembly about a Midsummer's Night Dream. Yeah, I have I can't remember what character I played or what. It's see, I know, it, I know. I think it's about where it's about love potion, and it's actually um a comedy. That's it. it, it this 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 Midsummer's Night Dream is comedy. It's not a tragedy. No, it's not. It's it's one of the very few comedies that Shakespeare's ever written. Yeah. So I, I that, that I did make a note of that, and yeah. So her her artist friends don't really notice her too much. And they're all kind of like, oh, they're using you. And Tish is like, no, they're not. They're my friends. I don't want to be your friends anymore because they actually, they're basically taking the mick out of her for being in a Shakespeare play. And they're like, oh, this is what Shakespeare does. And to be or not to be. And basically just mocking her. And then she starts to realize that all of her artist friends don't really like her or notice her. Basically, it's the day of the of the performance. Everyone's getting a muffin basket except for her. Her ba- her dressing room is basically the janitor's closet. So she's just like, right, you know what? I'm not going to do it for you guys. I'm going to do it for my friends who are watching. And she only has like one line. She's like, you know what? I'm going to say this one line. And I'm gonna I'm gonna perform it to 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 the best of my abilities. And that was. Um, one really fun episode from season one. What about you, Paul? Um, I Patricia took my episode one um, episode, and then I went on to three and four seasons three and four. Um, so I go last. Was there a because... season four? Yeah, there was. Yeah, so I don't. Oh, okay. So I did watch the finale. So I must have watched the season I'll four. So... Come back to me at the end because. Did you watch the finale? No. Oh, okay. No worries. Um, yeah. I, so I, 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 yeah, I did. Oh, I did. 
I, thought, I have a lot I thought to say about out, it. I thought it was outstanding, but we'll go to that in a, in a, in a bit. Yeah, season two, I've got... Tino and Carver get into a fight about... I, I, I hated this episode, by the way. This episode was just awful. Was it? Oh, yeah. I thought it was awful. Like, Tino and Carver get into an argument because Carver was trying to show off his pool skills. And, you know, then they start, like, arguing with each other. It's like, oh, yeah, well, stop showing off. It's like, at least I'm not a wimp. And so they decide to just disband each other. And then Lore and Tish get into an argument out of something that wasn't even them. And then the movie theater starts getting into an argument out of something that they don't even know about. And it just caused this huge ruckus. And then at the end, you know, Tito lies to Lore saying, oh, but we're friends. And then Carter said the same thing to Tish. He's like, oh, but we're friends. So they essentially became friends out of a lie as opposed to being genuine with each other, which sucks. That's how, this episode most, is- that's how most friendships are. They start off on a lie and you just carry on and just... You pretend to be friends forever and ever. It's it's uh, a real. I, I I didn't I didn't really like it. It didn't sit well with me. I just felt that it was just like forced. It's like, okay, so let me get this straight. So you don't even know what the argument is about, and yet you're going to side with this one person based off of something you don't even know about. Which technically it was Carter's fault because if you saw in that scene where you know he could have had easily done that shot in the pool table. Or instead, he just decided to show off. It's like, oh, I'm going to do it in this side, even though that it's way far away. And they're like, dude, this is the 18th time that we've lost this pool game to these jerks. Why did you have to do that? It's like, yeah, so I'm sorry. I, I side with, you know, Tino in this. It's like, he, you know, Carver was the one who was responsible for losing the game. And and then Carver's like, at least I'm not a wimp. It's like, what does that have to do with anything? Whoa, yeah. I'm thinking that's a bit deep. But yeah, that's uh, yeah. I I I I hear you on that one. I hear you on that one. So, but yeah. Um. So Father's Day. So this was obviously quite topical because I think Father's Day was last week. Um. Yeah. So basically, Tino is thinking, oh, what do I do for Father's Day? Because obviously, they he's Tino's mum and his dad are separated, and so everybody seems to have plans on on father's day so carver's meant to be going fishing with his dad tish is meant to be feeding not yeah feeding cheese to the the needy law is going to be going to the tesla factory with her 16 brothers and so obviously tino's like look i don't mind if you guys are doing father's day but deep down he really does mind because he's kind of seeing everybody having fun with their dad and i think what they do for him that they basically um decide to all hang out together so that he's not feeling too too left out which i thought which i thought was really really nice i I really liked that they did that for him and they were there for for their mate when he when he when he needed them to be so i thought that was really really nice and um so what yeah this is this is your time to shine paul what right. did you watch so i i'm gonna go from four and then back to three because what when i've said what i've said in, in three i've got nothing to say so the episode um i don't know it's series four episode 11 and basically um laws her leg and she's got to go to the hospital and um she's getting seen to by this paramedic um and he's saying oh this is my first day i used to be a bouncer <laughs> up the road in this club 
<laughs> and so she starts freaking she starts freaking out because she's in the back of an ambulance with some like rookie trying to uh, give her an injection and she start and she has to have um this uh surgery where they put a camera up and they laser some bits and pieces i can't remember what what she actually done with her leg and so she starts she says to every everyone that she'll leave them something in their will um except for tish and she leaves her out and she gets like she's really sad that she's get she she's left out of this um uh left out of the will um and then so Tish like sort of talks to everyone and she comes back and says like look what's the deal she confronts her and she says like um she tries to calm her down because she's um law's really scared about going into surgery so she calms her down and then when she's when she's calmed her down she says like look you know what's the deal you left me out of your will i thought we were mates kind of thing and she goes yeah and it was this was meant to be in a nice way but i think didn't it was taken nice in the cartoon but i didn't think it was nice she kind of basically said i didn't leave anything because nothing's good enough for you and 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 i think it was meant like you know that you're better than everything and what what could i possibly give you but you know that's not the whole point (laughs) when someone dies you know something to remember you by it could have been anything um uh then anyway that's kind of the end of the episode right so now back to this episode i think it yeah so Back to this episode, series three, episode 24, it's called Imperfection. Now, my notes were a little bit better on this one. So, is this the one you. where I think you're going to talk about? Yeah. So, oh do you want me to talk God. about it now? Or do you want to go yes. Down? Yes. Yeah. Talk about it. Right. So, this is actually quite a, like a, an appropriate time to be talking about this, I guess. But, um, so Tish gets a negative comment on a report card uh, and she kind of loses it because she's, um, like really upset that she's, got something negative she's normally like a plus plus best report card in the whole world and um and then she tries to say that she's not perfectionist but she can't shake it she like tries to do things on purpose but you know it drives her even more crazy like she messes up she messes up her bed on purpose but like puts one kind of crease in it so it's not perfect anymore um she wears odd sho- odd shoes <laughs> and then she like goes in the hallway and makes a picture wonky um and then she doesn't help her friends build this they had this like kelp sculpture and she doesn't help them because she thinks that she'll take over and make it perfect and she'll obsess and she's trying not to obsess um then her mum says why don't you just try doing one thing instead of taking over the whole thing just do one thing and then she says okay i'll paint it and then she ends up spend like painting it and then she's like oh i could do that a little bit better and then she kind of stays up all night painting it and then she uses another kelp species that she was that was spoken about earlier and then out of absolutely nowhere they had this um let me find let me see if i can find the actual um the the, the name of the place so the name of the place that they were doing it was called the the kelpers kelping kelpers kelping the kelpless volunteer center right now in highlighted is the first letter of every uh kelp right literally says on the screen kkk yep and, yeah and i was absolutely dumbstruck by this wow no but um i saw that text you sent me and i'm just like what the hell <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, it's I, the I, kelpers kelping 
whatever it's called. Was it Kelpers Kelping? Kelping the Kelpless. Yeah, but the thing is, I don't understand how that made it past the animators, how it made it past the producers. Oh, easy. Because they probably I... just thought, oh, don't be daft. We're not talking about the Ku Klux Klan, are we? We're just doing the Kelpers helping the Kelpless, aren't we? But I just don't understand how it made it. Like, I mean, now it would have been like an absolute disaster. No, but right? I think, no, but you know how sometimes you see like in cartoons, they'll have like random, you remember we talk about Okie Doke? Where someone almost got okie doked between the legs. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, it's kind of like that, isn't it? So, yeah. where they would have a thing and we would pick it up as adults now, but as kids, we probably thought, yeah, that's really yeah, cool. Yeah, that's the thing. But that's the thing. It's like, it's just, it's kind of like under the radar subliminal stuff. Like, and if you look underneath it, picture that I sent, like, maybe we can. Was it, sure was it, was sure. it, was it a person with a hood? No, I, I, I can't remember that. And no, a robe? No. No, it just but it does say the Kelp Appreciation Festival, so it's kind of like I don't think that's too bad. Obviously, no, the... but I mean I'm just saying it's like it's a good thing. It's like KKK and it's like Appreciation Society, so it's all a bit. I don't know. Maybe you can post a picture on 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 the internet and see if see how if there's any reaction to it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was like, I I nearly fell off my chair, and choked on my tea when I was reading this. That is, that um, is something. So yeah, but so that that on a more serious note, that distracted me from the actual cartoon and what was going on. So I I I don't really know much else about the episode or anything. I completely switched off from it because I was like, if that's kind of made it through the made it through the screens, and I don't know what. I bet you would not have noticed it though as a kid. That's the whole point. No, I completely agree. Absolutely, I wouldn't even notice it as a kid. Would would not have paid it any mind. You would have just watched it and thought, oh, that's really cool. The kelping, kelpers, and what have you. Yeah, I'm going to the KKK today. (laughs) (laughs) I bet bet that's what was the thing, isn't it? Yeah, that was probably the joke. Yeah. Yeah. Let's all let's all let's all go to the KKK and let's yeah. all kelp they're each go- other and they're going to the KKK KKK appreciation. Right, everybody, festival. everybody so. has to have a uniform. It's a robe, <laughs> but it's a special robe because it's got a hood and it's dark. That's so you got that's the uniform of the kel- yeah. You can imagine. <laughs> Again, you 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 cannot get away with this kind of stuff today. Anyway, but yeah, I think that um, what's interesting about this particular show, and the one thing that I will give a credit for, is that they are—they have so many like quick jokes that fly over your head as a kid, and also they have really snappy remarks to each other, which I thought was actually really clever. It's like it—it it, it does give the show a bit of an edge when it comes to its humor. I did like that. Right. So let's go to the finale now, and Tino's dad. So this is going on to what you were saying about Tino and his mum. I thought it was really good, like the relationship that they had between each other. Like I really, really liked the dynamic between Tino and his mum. And obviously his dad's going to be coming to visit and he's trying to figure out the perfect weekend. So he's trying to do a schedule. And it turns out that his dad is a lot similar to Tino they're both like, oh, look at these bacteria stains and, and, and things of that nature. And so Tino just wants to spend quality time with his dad, but his dad is just basically trying to like do all these events and activities and talk to all these different people. 
And basically with Tino, it's kind of like, I'm not really spending time with my dad. And then once his dad kind of realizes that, I think, yeah, they what they do is that they all get their money together and they arrange something for Tino and his dad to just spend some spend some time together alone. And yeah, I really like this episode. It was probably my it was probably one of my favorite episodes that I saw that that far. Um, not, you know, anything with involving with like the, the adults, because um, I thought it was really interesting about how since it was the last episode, people were like wondering about where's Tito's dad. It's like, uh, what's he like? And so, yeah, the fact that his father is being neglectful, again, goes back into like Rocket Power, for example, in which Sam's dad visits um, the um, the city of um, Ocean Shores for the first time. And then he's completely neglecting him because he's a businessman. He's constantly making phone calls. And again, going into what's told by Ginger with Hello Stranger, it only took us up until like 16 episodes in until we got to finally see what, uh, you know, Ginger and Carl's father. And he's not the greatest dad either. So it was actually interesting to see that that perspective in which he was like a very welcoming dad. It's like, yeah. hey, I'm a dad that I want to get to know everybody except for my own son. <laughs> Great. I like that he even got on with um, the boyfriend as well. Yeah. So like they were in the house and they were like kind of bonding on the fact that she cooks really, really bad stuff. And they were like, oh, have you tried this? <laughs> That's so funny. Have you tried this? And I did, I did, I did like that. But no, yeah, I, I really liked the finale. And I, it ended up going from an okay show to a really good show just on the finale for me. I think so, yeah. It's like, where was this? Yeah. I mean, the show like, throughout the entire time was just, okay, okay. Seen it before, seen it before, terrible. And then it was like, the last episode is like, you know, the fact that this episode is the only one that lasts throughout the entire 24 minutes, because in The Weekenders, it's like, you know, two episodes last for about 11 minutes. But this is the the the, the, the first and the last full length one, I think. And I think that it was like real. Oh, no, no, they, there was some other full length episodes. But um, but yeah, the, the, the fact that they were able to like end it off of this is like, man, I mean, I think that they were just starting to get the groove of what they were trying to do, because. I think the later episodes are actually pretty decent um, for what they were trying to do. But it's like that one episode is like, man, they just ended it in the best way that they could. It's like, okay, I give you kudos for that. But um, yeah, I, I think that um, with uh, the one thing that I noticed like throughout watching the series is that they always hang out in the very, the, the same places every weekend. There's always the pizza place, the museum, the beach and the funville where they play pool or arcade games all the time. And, and I actually did find it kind of clever of how the pizza place is constantly changing their themes. Like one time it was a skating theme. The other time it was a Shakespeare theme. One, it was a caveman theme. That's actually pretty interesting. I've never seen that before. Yeah. That, yeah, that was um, something about, cause it's not like a, your everyday cartoon and because it was like I said with older kids or whatever I could I could feel like I'm watching this and I'm not watching a baby cartoon where it's like you've got the simple format but yeah like the the standard of quality in the finale it kind of overbears over the whole series for me and it, it kind of it turned from an okay show to a very very good show just on the finale yeah but I think that what makes it interesting for me watching it is that, you know, each of the characters have their own distinct personalities, but 
Um, you know, you have Tino, who's like the leader of the group, kind of, because we focus mostly on him. And he's breaking the fourth wall constantly, sort of like Zach Morris from Saved by the Bell, where he's narrating to the audience about what's going on in each situation. And uh, then we have, you know, Carver, who's like obsessed with being popular and he's obsessed with shoes. Like there were a lot of episodes where he was like, I want to, you know, design these pair of shoes or I want to buy these pair of shoes. I want to go to this shoe fashion show. He's obsessed with shoes uh, for some reason. And then we have Lore, who's like obsessed with sports, which, of course, she's a tomboy and she's the youngest out of like. 16 brothers which is almost like pre-loud house in a way like you know how lincoln is the only boy to like a whole bunch of girls so that would have been interesting to see that kind of perspective and um you know tish uh you know typical smart girl i, I did like the fact that you know her, her family was from a different country it kind of reminds me a little bit of like how a lot of slice of life cartoons they have characters from different countries rugrats you had boris and minka who are from russia and they were jewish hey arnold you had oscar kakashka who was from czechoslovakia um you, you know various uh you know you have your typical foreign exchange students fentruck from doug was another examples from yak estonia so yeah i mean like th that's another thing that you know the 90s plays of life cartoons were obsessed with like you have to have at least a single parent you have to have one episode about weight issues you have to have one episode about um you know a, a kid cannot be a kid they need to grow up to be an adult you have to have uh the smart kid does not do very well on a test and so they decide to dumb down themselves um and also um you have to have at least one foreign exchange student so yeah why it's you can you can make a formula <laughs> or a book about like the beat for beat of what you see in a typical 90s yeah. or 2000 slice of life cartoon right so yeah obviously normally now what we're going to do is we're going to try and pick which we preferred out of Doug and the Weekenders. I mean, for me, I was kind of mulling over because I really liked both shows. I think both shows were incredible when they kind of had their own kind of sparks of it. But I'm going to kick off and I'm going to say the Weekenders because of Tino's dad and that episode. That episode was so good. It was a nice finale. It was, it, it kind of ended the story well it kind of showed Tino as he is as a person. I kind of see myself in him and the way he is with his mom. I really enjoyed that dynamic and yeah, how his friends came through for him in the end and they kind of gave him that time to spend with his dad. So that kind of ended up having a really, really good weekend. It kind of saved it from being a really bad weekend to a really good weekend just on that dynamic and yeah i really liked it because of that and yeah it kind of took it home for me uh doug because yeah of, doug. because of the kkk thing <laughs> fair enough fair 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 enough i mean i know you're gonna pick doug because you've done so much on it and well, there's, there's a lot of reasons to it why now i know a lot of people are going to be angry at me saying why did you pick doug doug is is a terrible show it, it hasn't aged very well you know but all that all that kind of stuff and i understand and i understand i understand from uh, now here's the thing now we're the generation who grew up with the show 
Um, when I did my video of Disney's Doug and all that kind of stuff, a lot of people were like, of course it's obvious. I mean, Hey Arnold's way better or, you know, all these other shows are way better. Doug is not very good because Doug is boring. Like, I, you know, I see from different perspectives that for those who didn't grow up with Doug, for those who were familiar with Slice of Life cartoons with Hey Arnold, Recess, as told by Ginger, like the shows that came out after 1996, I would say. So if you grew up with those shows and you never saw Doug in your life, I can understand why people would say it's a bare bones slice of life cartoon. I can understand that because, you know, shows like Hey Arnold and uh, Arthur as told by Ginger and all those other shows, they pushed a lot of new elements that was already set with the formula that Doug created. Doug was like the originator of that. There's a reason why the meme has Doug on the top and it says like Doug as like the prototype. And then all the other slice of life cartoons, you have like, um, Hey Arnold, it's like football headed Doug. And then you have, uh, as told by ginger girl, Doug, and then you have recess groups of Doug. So it's like, you know, Doug is the foundation while all the other shows are following up with it and they constantly have improvements. Now, with the Weekenders, they do follow this formula, but they're able to do some new things to it. Like, they constantly have different scenarios going on. They have clothes changing. They have witty remarks. The mom is amazing. Um, also, they have episodes that um, they kind of, like, push a little bit more of the boundaries that Doug didn't do. And I understand that because Doug was the show that kind of, like, kick-started the, the new um, standard of, like, uh, the slice-of-life genre because we had Peanuts, but that was pretty much all we had because in the 80s, if you remember, it was all about those action cartoons like your uh, Thundercats or your He-Mans or your Transformers or the My Little Ponies and the She-Ra's and the Strawberry Shortcakes. There wasn't a show like... Doug until you know you had the peanuts I mean that's the only comparison you had at the time so when Doug came out and then all the other shows came out later on they they you know Doug set the standard and then every other show that followed up with it it's like it made constant improvements it's like trying to play the original Super Smash Brothers if you got a taste of Melee Brawl or Ultimate you can't go back to the original Super Smash Brothers because it's really dated with its clunky controls and the fact that it only has like eight characters or something so I can understand for the younger generation, it's really hard to go back on it. So I say that for um, anybody who's listening, who knows about my work, um, that they say that, you know, Doug is terrible because of these reasons, which is justified in my opinion, but I don't agree with it. I think that Doug is a very important show to watch for any age because um, it's a show that was really relatable for a lot of people. Um, they go through a lot of life lessons and morals. They had a lot of characters that you can really connect with. It has an ex it has a world that is very inviting yet simple. Um, that's why I did that video because I wanted to defend Doug for what it was. Uh, I think that Disney's Doug didn't make enough changes to make it stand out personally for me, but I can see why people prefer that over the Nickelodeon version because it was able to make some changes to it. So. I choose Doug over the Weekenders for um, that reason, that um, it, it pretty much originated uh, from uh, what we would have the formula later on. With the Weekenders, I don't think it pushes enough boundaries for me to say that it's better. I just think that it's pretty standard. But um, but it uh, but it does have its strides. I, I it does have its good moments. I'll just let you know that. So I think that the Weekenders is definitely somewhere around the middle. Not as great as something like Hey Arnold, but not as terrible as something like Angela Anaconda. So it's definitely middling. I'll just say that.
Cool. And uh, yeah, I mean, two two really good shows. And yeah, good job, guys. Now we come on to the main event. Oh, this is a hell of a main event we've got. It's Hey Arnold. And we're going back to July 1996. So some of the things happening in the world. Nelson Mandela steps down as president of South Africa. The Indian government officially renames the city of Madras, restoring the name Chennai. I think other cities, so Calcutta went to Kolkata and I think Bombay went to Mumbai. Dolly the sheep is the first mammal to be successfully cloned from an adult cell. And she was born at the Rosalind Institute in Midlothian in Scotland. Independence Day was in the cinemas. Cracking film. And uh, California Love by Tupac and Dr. Dre was number one in the charts. Oh, and Roger Troutman as well. Can't forget Rob- Roger Troutman. And yeah, we're going to Hey Arnold. So this was a American animated children's TV series created by Craig Bartlett, which aired on Nickelodeon. And yeah, the the basic premise of the show is based on the character name Arnold. Yeah, Craig Bartlett originally created it on uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse. And yeah, the executives enjoyed the character and Bartlett completed the cast by drawing inspiration from the people he grew up with. It takes place in the fictional American city of Hillwood and nobody actually knew the geographic location outright. So it was kind of a, a bit of cities that Bartlett loved so you had a little bit of Seattle which was where he's from Portland where he went to art school and you had a little bit of Brooklyn so you had the brownstones the subway and the bridge and the character was previously featured in a trilogy of clay animation shorts from 1988 to 1991 so you had Arnold escape from church the Arnold waltz and Arnold rides a chair. And yeah, so there was a really good article that I read on Vox about Hey Arnold 20 year anniversary and about how the hard lessons are still as relevant as ever. And talks about Helga's erupting character and how she was a scene stealer essentially in, in most of um, the stuff that she did in Hey Arnold. And yeah, it gained a reputation as being one of the more devastating kids shows probably ever. As much as as much fun as Arnold and his friends have, they always learn just as many crushing lessons along the way. And before the premiere of the Jungle movie, I think Nickelodeon were talking about if the ratings of the movies would succeed, then they might consider rebooting the series. However, I think the reason why I don't think they they're going to go through with it was instead of like getting newer audiences to watch hey arnold it was people like us who watched the jungle movie and we were the ones who gravitated towards it more than the younger audiences and i think because you don't have that demographic nickelodeon thought yeah i don't think we can go along with it but jim lang who does the music for hey arnold what he said was and i quote Netflix, 
Amazon, Apple were all people that were going to go out, out to the idea of trying to make a season six. We haven't heard anything yet, but we've got our fingers crossed. And on that note, I'm going to I'm going to pass it on to you guys. What 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 did you think about this show? Let's let's talk about Hey Arnold. I'm just going to come right and say this, right? So basically, everyone loved Hey Arnold as a kid. We can say that I don't know one single person that doesn't like it. But the theme tune, man, it's not even that good. It's yes, it like, is. No, man, it's really yes, not. Yes, it is. It is. I of course like, it is. I forgot about the theme tune, and there's been so many What are you uh, talking shows. about? There's been so many shows the, that we... The theme song is great. No, it's man. fine. Arnold. Arnold. There's a bit of jazz in the meantime. Ah, nah. It's great. It's not for me, man. Give me Swedish version of uh, Moomins any day of the week. This week. <laughs> <laughs> what? But I, I don't. I don't. I don't get why you would not like it. It's just nothing to like about it. <laughs> it's fine. It's just, it's just some. It's, I don't know. It's not for me. I was disappointed when I saw it again. To be honest. I mean, I like that, and I, but I do like the the end credits music. That's really good. I, I skip. I, I just pause it and go to the next episode pretty quick. <laughs> okay. Oh, don't hold back. Tell us how you really feel. Whoa. Right. So I think we should probably talk about Helga and Arnold, which I just this whole dynamic that they had with each other and the fact that she was so besotted with him and I I the more I watched of it I was convinced that he felt exactly the the the, the same way too. But yeah like Helga and Arnold like and for me Helga she was a scene stealer in in the sense that she kind of would overshadow like her character was so brilliant her her upbringing was a bit rubbish cuz she had her family who wouldn't even notice her got a crazy dad who runs a beeper emporium she got a half drunk half cut mum got the perfect big sister and then you kind of got Helga who is probably just as smart as Olga probably just as academically switched on but Nobody gives her the light of day and then she kind of finds solace in the fact that she is in love with this with this boy. Yeah. Well, you have to thank uh, various people for that, not only for Craig, but also Craig's wife, who was the one who came up with the idea of that Arnold, um, you know, is being picked on by Helga and that the reason why um, she's doing this is because she loves him. It, it was during a writing session, uh, Joe and Saliba here uh, told me the story. So they were at Craig's house and they were drinking some wine and thinking of some ideas about like the characters. And so they came up with Helga. And so they didn't want to do another Angelica from Rugrats because they, you know, they, they were people who already worked on Rugrats and they were switching over to Hey Arnold. So they didn't want to do another Angelica in which she was just bullying Arnold for no reason. And so when Craig's wife mentioned oh maybe it's because she loves him they're like that's it let's write it it's genius 
And another person that we have to give a major shout out to uh, when it comes to the writing of Helga is Steve Vixen. Steve Vixen has written one third of the series of Hey Arnold. And he was probably one of the most influential people who has written some of the best episodes of the series. Um, you know, when you, when you think of like great episodes uh, written by Hey Arnold, I mean, you think of like the, the, the more popular people. You think of Craig, you think of Joseph Purdy, but a lot of the episodes that some people would say, oh man, that episode was just so good, was most likely done by Steve. So a few examples of the episodes that he's written alongside with either Craig or by himself. He wrote Downtown as Fruits, uh, Eugene's Bike. He wrote Sixth Grade Girls. Uh, he did the Christmas episode. He did Arnold's Hat, Stoop Kid. Um, and he also helped with writing... Um, the you know helping writing with the movie as well and so yeah i mean when you think of you know some of the best episodes of the series you think of not only craig but you also think of steve as well he was a major improvement to like all the things that you know the show was for hey arnold i mean he was like one of the people who like transitioned the show for like not only just being focused on like little kids which if you've seen the first season yeah but then it just delves into more where it focuses on the adults it focuses on scenarios and situations that you would never get away with in a kid's show like it's 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 amazing you know right so um in terms of hey arnold um if you talk about episodes that we watched so what did you watch paul um so i watched a few episodes of this i didn't write i did watch the journal <clears throat> but i didn't write my notes down but first of that's all right, that's what... the last thing so so uh this was like i think series one episode three i didn't watch the the the, the pilot or anything but so this ep so this episode um was a defining moment in my childhood and i'll explain why after right so arnold um arnold gets mugged when he's when he's uh, uh going home from school um and this geezer like nicks his money and his um bus pass and stuff um when he goes home he doesn't want to do anything he just goes to bed and kind of feels sorry for himself and when he wakes up um grandma's wearing a karate outfit and she like kind of ties a thing behind her head and um she says right you've got to learn karate because you've got to learn to defend yourself and he's like okay fair enough and uh, they do this kind of like training montage um and they do the whole thing you know karate kid kind of catch the fly kind of thing and when he's ready, he catches a fly and he kind of goes out and does his, um, he goes out into the world as this new, new man kind of thing. He's kind of, he's, he's big and he's tough now and he can defend himself. And he starts like, um, basically defending like these like poor, he sees these little kids get picked on and he kind of kicks the heads into these bullies and stuff. And then he starts to realize that he's kind of becoming the beast that he, you know, that he was swearing to protect himself against and everyone else. And, and then this is the moment where uh, it really struck me as a child. So he, this 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 guy comes up to him and goes, hey, you, and he like bashes this guy up without even thinking. He just like smashes him up. And then the guy was like, dude, I only wanted to know where the bus stop was. And he's like kind of clothes fall off and, and he's really sad. And everyone's kind of like, what the hell, man? He only wanted to know where the bus stop was. Um, And so that moment, when I was a kid, I remember really vividly, I was, I was lying on the sofa and I was watching Hey Arnold. And when that bit happened, I like basically just like 
it made me like want to cry and and for like a week solid i couldn't reconcile this moment because it's the moment where like you regret something and you can't take back what you've just done and this this guy was wronged by arnold and all because he was like you know trying to act tough and do this and do that and he did something where where, where and he couldn't you know he couldn't take it back and that was a really like defining moment for me to realize that you can't i don't know how old i was when i said when this came out but i was like crying on the sofa when i was watching it um but it was just like um this really powerful moment and i can't explain properly how how this made me feel but it's just like um the feeling where you can't take something back once you've done it and the feeling of, of, of regret is definitely something that made me think on even though i was like i don't even know how old i was like eight years old or something when i watched that <clears throat> um let me just fly through a couple more because i think they were quite early <clears throat> uh, stop me if i'm going too fast or i've, I've no, got ahead, ahead of my thing so there's one called the little pink book where uh helga's like first starts off and she's just chucking spitballs at arnold and um, she's writing in a diary that she loves him. And she's writing, she starts writing this like acrostics poem where she's written her name down the side of it. And she's like, you know, writing the, her love poem to, to him that he's never ever going to read, right? So, and then <laughs> when she gets on the bus the next day, she kind of just snips a bit, a bit of his hair off to stick in her diary, um, which I found like fantastic. And, um, and uh, so I think... Um, I said Eugene finds it, but it wasn't. It was Gerald that finds it um, and starts reading it in front of everyone. So he's kind of like she. So she drops it on her way back out of the bus. She drops it, and 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 um, Harold, oh, Harold, Gerald picks it up and starts reading it. And then she realizes she lost it. And she's mortified because um, uh, everyone's going to know that her undying love for Arnold is going to be exposed, right? So um, she. They don't, they don't know whose it is, but the, he gives it to his pig, which I forgot all about the pig until this Abner. episode. Yeah, so that when he's given to the bell, I was like, oh yeah, they've got a pig, I forgot about that. Um, and anyway, so whilst they're out looking for her, she comes to uh, Arnold's house and tries to, and she kind of sneaks into his bedroom. She's like, oh my God, I'm in your bed. And this and this, it's, bit, it's a bit weird, but it's quite funny. Um, oh, so basically they're trying to, they're trying to figure out who this diary is from. Um, uh, and they come back and Helga's still stuck in the room so um, um, he wants it to be from this 6th grader called Ruth he, that he fancies but they're, they're trying to figure it out all night and um, um, and then Grandpa says like he kind of comes in and says like, I remember when I was your age and he's like well actually no I don't remember <laughs> 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 which I found really funny um, um, and so I Arnold's reading the diary at school and he's reading it to everyone. And on the last page is where she's written that poem with her name on it. And um, she comes, she comes past him and she rips the page out and she tears it up and spits at him. It's kind of like a full circle kind of thing. So no one finds out. Uh, next episode was field trip where, which I think Patricia mentioned earlier um, was where they go and um, they go to a field trip and they go to aquarium and basically um, Arnold couldn't go there before because he was there everyone went there in first grade but um and there, there's this big sea monster called lockjaw that everyone's like oh my god lockjaw and his 
there was kind of a big hype about it, but Arnold didn't go because he had chicken pox. So, um, uh, and there was, um, and there's another moment that made me laugh again was there was like the, this guy was doing the rules and he's like, no tap on the glass, no flash photography, no videos, no skateboards. And he chucks a skateboard into this room full of skateboards and he says, no sushi chefs. <laughs> and this guy's got his two knives and he's traveling. He's like, oh, and, he's, <laughs> and, he, and he has to go out. Um, so there's little moments like that in cartoons. Yeah. Like, just so funny. Um, uh, Arnold's walking around, saying, is this Lockjaw, is this Lockjaw? He goes to eels and hammerhead sharks and stuff like that. And it turns out that Lockjaw is actually a tortoise. And, and everyone's a bit disappointed because they think that, uh, sorry, it's a turtle. This is a question I want to ask, actually, because um, this is like a, maybe this is daft just because I'm bringing it up. But um, I thought, right, that tortoises have feet and, tort- and turtles have fins. I thought that's how you told and and because you can't swim in water if you've got feet, right? Yeah, naturally. Um, I watched a video. Uh, I watched a video once of someone throwing a, to- a tortoise in the sea because they thought it could swim, and they're oh. taking it home. And it's Ooh. so and it's so bad, and it's real, completely real. And they said like, "Oh, you're free." And the guy was like, "That's not a turtle. That's a tortoise." <laughs> oh dear. Um. So it's, it's really bad, but um. It kind of reminded me about that. So, um, uh, everyone has turtle things. Um, right back. Um, uh, oh yeah. So, so when they, so Arnold's thinking about the, the 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 turtle that's that's in this um, enclosure, and and he goes back, and the scout little scout girl scout comes and says like, "Oh, um, I'm selling these. You know, instead of selling cookies, she's selling chocolate t- turtles." Um, which reminded me of everybody hates Chris. Um, then Grandpa's like, "Oh, this turtle neck is really like getting on my nerves," <laughs> kind of thing. Um, uh, then Grandma, then Grandma comes in and says, "Like, um, the kind of she explains why she's feeling sorry for him, and then she just says, like, let's go, let's go and get him. Let's kind of spring him from this place." Um, and then when they when they go to the the, the aquarium, the guards feeding the um, the penguin and he's feeding it cookies um and it's just like on a on a little trivia note did you know that um penguins never eat fish backwards they always they always swallow them head first and if they get hold of them tail first they'll flip them around and they'll um swallow them that way because they're uh, otherwise they get stuck in their throat because the scales go backwards yeah i was gonna say that 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 makes sense that that i, I wouldn't imagine a penguin eating Fish backwards. No, if they, I was at the um, I was at the zoo once, and they gave him one backwards, and he's like, "Look what he'll do with it!" And he flipped it over and swallowed it. I was quite impressed. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, so they go to get the turtle, and they pick him up. I still do my head in that he's got feet, but uh, they they put the um, instead of so earlier when they said that there's no sushi chefs, no photos, no um, flash photography, and whatever. They took the skateboard away, so there's loads of confiscated skateboards in there. So they can't lift him, so they decide to put him on a skateboard and they kind of wheel him out on the skateboard. And and then they they kind of take him. This is what you were talking about earlier about the score. Um, but they they push him out to sea and he kind of like swims away and and then it's kind of all like you know all the music's really nice and and it's like really touching moment. And then grandma's like, let's go and have some turtle soup, <laughs> and then, and then they uh and then they go away. So another like kind of just genius moment a little like 
drop a genius just to finish off the episode. Um, right, so the next episode I've got notes for is Parents' Day, but I'm pretty sure it's a late one. Yeah. Um, can we talk about Pigeon Man? This was such a beautiful episode. And I remember, like, when I when we when you and I spoke about Hey Arnold before, and I sort of made a top five of my favorite Hey Arnold episodes off the top of my head. Like, I know for a fact that that one that I said before is not going to be the same as what I think now. Like, I thought the Pigeon Man episode, it was just, oh man, it was just so emotional and beautiful. So, yeah, basically, one of Arnold's carrier pigeons gets hurt. And so he takes it to Pigeon Man to try and fix him. He actually, and obviously there's people who think, oh my God, he's a creep, he's weirdo, he's he's this, that, and, and, and everything else. But he actually, you know, he fixes one of the birds. It might have been Chester or Lester or... And so he manages to fix him. And so Arnold's like, you know what? Why don't you come out, come and see the world, be a part of society. And so Harold and his friends are like, you know what? This pigeon man's weird. Let's go to his place. So they basically turn over his place. They absolutely destroy it. And so Arnold and pigeon man are coming back. And Arnold's basically like, who did this? Like, we can fix it, can't we? And that's when Pigeon Man's like, you know what? I'm going to get out of here. And I actually wrote down all of what he said. So basically what he says is, Arnold, don't be sad. You've taught me that some people can be trusted and I'll never forget that. I want to live somewhere, somewhere I can live in peace with my friends. Don't you see? I have a mission to help pigeons everywhere. Wherever there's a bird in need of seed, I'll be there. Wherever there's a helpless flock suffering some abuse, I'll be there. Wherever there's a pigeon with a weak wing or broken beak, I'll be there. I just hope there's another Arnold where I go next. Remember, Arnold, always wash your berries before you eat them and fly towards the sun. Like, I'm not, I'm not even going to lie. Like, I kind of had like a little tear in my eye when I was watching this. Like, it was just so like, beautiful and really well written like the scripting was on point the story was on point and i just thought it was the magnificent episode really really well done and it kind of it really captured the spirit of hey arnold for me like how he is as a person how he's always willing to help and you know there was some like stuff that i read about oh did pigeon man kill himself and stuff like that and it's like of course he didn't not and not because he ends up being in the movie years later, but he's he's literally saying, "I'm going to go somewhere and help pigeons." Just because he's flying towards the light and the sun, don't mean he's flying off to die or whatever. Like, I yeah, that was a uh, that was something that I wasn't quite wasn't quite going to buy. And uh, before we talk about Parents' Day, I just want to talk about Helga on the couch as well. This is another tremendous bit of like cartooning. So, yeah, it starts off with Helga throwing spitballs at Arnold. And the child psychiatrist, Dr. Bliss, kind of notices that. And so she kind of wants Helga to come and see her because she punches Brainy in the face. And so I love how Principal Watts is just basically a big kid and he's playing with toys. 
she's like, oh, hey, I want to, like, examine. He's like, examine what? Examine what? Me? She's like, no, 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 not you, the, the kids. And he's like, what are you writing down? She's like, oh, no, 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 chill, chill, chill. I'm here for the kids or whatever. And that's when she says, oh, I want you, Helga, to come and speak to me. And I love that how she's doing, like, word associations. She's just like, stop thinking about Arnold. Stop thinking about Arnold. And then doing, like, you know, the uh, the ink blot test. What do you see? And it all just gets turned to Arnold. She's like, oh, I, I, I don't want to see it. And it's just like, you just see the picture of Arnold. And he's smiling and winking. And she's like, oh, I'm, I'm done with um, word associations. And then that way she kind of opens up with her. And she kind of talks about her family life, how she's always struggling because Olga's getting all the attention. And then we kind of learn how she first meets Arnold in preschool because her parents forget to take her. They're like, oh, go away. You know, Olga's playing some tune on a piano. And so that's where she meets Arnold. And that's where she kind of catches feelings for him. And then once she kind of realizes that everyone was like looking and laughing at her, she's like, you know what? You're going to meet my fists, Betty. And I can't remember what the other one's called. And she's like, yeah. And that's how she kind of develops that mean persona. But I like that she opens up to Dr. Bliss. And yeah, this was a... a superb episode and let's talk about parents day now and this episode oh it's just such a tearjerker in every every which yeah. way i mean it's it's actually really interesting because craig didn't initially know what he was going to do with arnold's parents um he thought that um you know arnold's parents were just like in the background and they were just going off doing nature documentaries somewhere i mean you could definitely tell in like the episode arnold's hat where arnold has that flashback of when he first gets the hat and you get to see a silhouette of arnold's parents with like the with arnold's dad wearing the suit and arnold's mom wearing the dress which is very similar to the outfits that they wore in the claymation shorts where you never get to see their heads so you could tell that Craig didn't exactly know what to do with Arnold's parents, but fan demand was constantly asking him, where are Arnold's parents? What are they doing? Why haven't we never seen them before? So, uh, yeah, he decided that, you know, he was going to come up with this idea that, uh, you know, they, the reason why they're not around is because, uh, you know, they're, they're lost in the jungle. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you can definitely, uh, see like the bits and pieces of like, um, you know, uh, of Arnold, of who they, um, of who his parents were, because like Arnold didn't really know his, who his parents were because his grandpa was telling him constant stories about like, they were circus performers. There were, um, there were scientists, they were doctors. So even he didn't know who his parents were. So it was kind of like a nice little insight about like, you know, not only is Arnold knowing about who his parents were for the first time in his life, but we as an audience are getting to know it. So I thought that that was actually really clever. And also on why Arnold is knowing about his parents. I mean, we, we saw throughout the entire series that, you know, his parents aren't around and it, it makes more sense about this whole parents weekend where there's a huge competition going on. And then big Bob made that mention about like, you know, uh, they, he didn't want to lose to some orphan and his ancestors. And so Arnold is devastated by it because he literally does not know about where his parents are. And so that's when we have grandpa telling the story and it's actually really touching. Yeah. Um, what did you think? I know you watched it, Paul. Yeah, so I, before watching this episode, I didn't even twig that we'd not seen his parents. So 
um, this was quite a um, uh, a shock to me as well, to be honest. Um, so I was learning as as well as um, Arnold. Um, I found it like a really touching, um, like the moment where um, you said just now that um, they said uh, oh, they're really horrible to him when he said um, you're a what did they say? I can't remember the exact words. Oh, Big Bob, know. and he's like, I don't want to lose to this orphan boy and his ancestors. Like, yeah. in so that classic like, Big Bob style. That was brutal. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, man. Oh, yeah. No that is, no. yeah. And she's like, Dad, what are you, you doing? Yeah, so hell was like mortified, but this is like absolutely brutal. Um, yeah. Uh, then obviously, then he goes home and. Um, then that's when you get that little um, that cut sequence where they um, he has a dream about his parents. Yeah, he finds him in the aeroplane. Um, well, he tries to anyway. You see him fly off. You yeah, see him in the end. Yeah, but I think a couple of things that I really liked about this episode was obviously it starts off with you know Grandpa telling all these stories about his parents, and then in the end he's just kind of like you know what I don't really want to hear these stories anymore i like i don't really care for them anymore and then also he's yeah and also he's kind of like there's um yeah there's a bit so like in the uh the the sports day or the parents day or whatever he's kind of like to his grandparents look no offense but you guys aren't my parents and this is a, a parents day weekend and I like that. Obviously, he dreams about when his parents kind of go away. And then he kind of has the dream where he's like, Mommy, Daddy, where are you? And then he's basically his grandpa picks him up. And then he starts telling him his stories about what his mom and dad were doing. And then I think that's in that dream. He realizes that throughout all these years, it was your my grandparents that were there. And essentially they were his parents and i love i love that he he realized that just in the nick of time and that was when he's like you know what i want you guys to be with me on um the the parents day at the school and obviously that was when i think he appreciated that his grandpa told the truth basically look your parents went off to one last mission and yeah their plane it was never recovered we never seen them never seen them since and he's like you know what i hope that we find them but i don't i don't think that we will and then obviously in the end where he's kind of flying off with the music in the background and that is just yeah that bit always tears me up like i'm not even gonna i'm not even gonna lie that is just it's just so well done it's so it's so beautiful and i yeah i like how they kind of like um they sort of use these really emotional really emotional parts of the of, of the cartoon and and obviously it's like it's really heavy and then cut and then they just cut straight through it of humor again when um so he goes back and asks to join the if his grandparents will come to the to the um parents day thing again and then his grandma goes gets like really like pepped up and she starts doing the churchill's war speech like we'll fight him on the beaches we'll fight him on the you know and so it's just kind of like little moments like that it's really you know it's real genius to balance that yeah yeah very yeah. emotional part with comedy so i was really impressed with that absolutely i mean yeah before we talk about the uh the journal i wanted to talk about the married episode now this was 
absolutely hilarious. So basically, Ronda's got that little play thing with the paper where you kind of see who you end up getting married to. And Arnold somehow picks Helga. And he's like, oh, my God, how am I going to be married to Helga? So they so they both end up having dreams about what it's like being married. And there's just some lines of this that I loved so much. So, like, how Helga tricks Arnold into marrying him. So he's like, I don't, I do, I don't, I do, I don't, I do. That's like, right, that's it. And I pronounce you man and wife, you're married and whatever. Yeah, and then and Arnold has to work at Big Bob where he's like, he has to start from the ground. So he has to pick up all the 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 the, the beepers inside the boxes. And somehow he's still wearing his wedding outfit. And I like that how there's a, a stalk that just comes in and flies off. And Big Bob's like, oh, look, there's a stalk. And then he goes upstairs and he sees all these babies. And he's like, how are we having all these babies? We've only been married two days. And Helga's like, that's all it takes, football head. He's got all these babies. And, and you got the other side, Helga's dream, where she's basically the president. Arnold's the first man. And then Lila comes and she kidnaps Arnold. And somehow they all rescue Arnold. And on that side, they live happily ever after. And then on the Arnold side of the dream, he's like, I know you're not this mean. I know you're not this angry. We're married. Let's try and make it work. And then that's where Helga's like, you're right. I don't hate you. I, you could even say that I like you and I really, really like you. And then, hey, Arnold, hey, Arnold, you hear his alarm. And then he kind of goes and he's out to jail. Do you know what? Maybe it wouldn't be so bad being married to, to Helga. And then Rhonda's talking to Phoebe and she's like, oh, could you imagine Arnold and Helga being married? And then this, again, was a really lovely bit where Phoebe imagines Helga and Arnold being happily married together, which makes me think that Phoebe was one of the other people who knew that Helga loved Arnold along with Stinky and Lila. Helga, yeah, I mean, Phoebe knew. Yeah, I think she knew. Because you wouldn't, you wouldn't be dreaming that wonderful scenario where Helga and Arnold are happily married if you didn't know or at least have an inkling of of that very very true definitely and right let's uh let's talk about the journal so this was the technically this was the finale but obviously they had they kind of ran a few more episodes didn't they after they showed... yeah they had a, they had a few episodes in stock uh but yeah this was the last episode that they produced and uh so it is technically the last episode yeah so uh, i think that what uh, the Parents' Day did with introducing Arnold's parents, we get to know a little bit more about them. And I think it was done very well, especially since, you know, given the context that, you know, it was the anniversary of his parents' disappearance and Arnold feels really upset that they never came back. And uh, he just wants to give up on, you know, the fact that his parents will ever return. And so he starts putting his stuff away and then he finds his dad's journal yeah. in the attic. Right, you watched this, didn't you, Paul? So I'll let you speak on it a little bit. Um, right, so the journal. Um, so ba this is this is basically an episode where um, it's like the end last episode, but it's it's irrelevant really because it's just it, it goes back and it's just all um, kind of like a flashback, flashbacky episode. 
And one of the bits that made me laugh more than anything about it was um, Grandpa has to keep stuff in again to the bathroom. So he's just like, oh, hang on a minute. I need to I need to go to the bathroom. Um, and he just runs off and he comes back. Um, and he's just like saying to everyone, don't get old. Um, one of the less glamorous sides of it, I guess. Um, so you have to forgive me if I um, get any facts wrong because I didn't actually write any notes with this down. I just kind of... Um, I just watched it. So um, actually, I can't remember where they which one they started. So I think they started off with a meet, which they'd already done in a previous episode in the uh, in Parents' Day. I think they'd already explained how they how the how they meet. So they kind of like he falls down a thing, and um, they kind of they kind of meet and they're saving the world. So the main thing is that they're always always saving the world, and um, they go and save the world from this. Um, so the green green eyed people, the green is that what it's called? The green green eyed people, and um, they go and save them from this. Um, I'm, I'm sure I've missed something out here, something quite important probably. But um, so they they um, they uh, there's this kind of like they've come back and they're, they're married now. Oh, Mister Marriage out, of course. What what a donut. So um, yeah, so they get married and um. Then and grandpa and um, grandma come to the wedding, and it's this it's all a big thing, and they kind of read it in this language that they have, um, and it takes them ages to read this um, these wedding vows, and he's like, "Do you take him to be your wedded wife?" And he's like, "Yep," yeah. and then they read it again like hours into this new thing. He's like, "Do you take her?" And he's like, "Yep, yeah. okay, you're married now," kind of thing. Um, anyway, so they, they end up coming back, <clears throat> and they get sent out, um, sent back again to um to save the green eyed people from this um illness that's kind of killing everyone and killing all the butterflies and things like that. So they go they go back out and um they, they knock up the serum and they kinda of get into all sorts of like shenanigans getting they need like a the root of a tree, they need the moss of this rock and they need something else. Oh the whisker of a um of a warthog that's there. So <clears throat> when they go to get the moss they said I can't find anything i've looked under all the rocks and it happens to be on this rock that's kind of hanging from a cliff um the root is um they go and get the so the warthog's next they're going to the warthog and they they pull the hair out of his nose whilst he's asleep and they don't wake him up and then they bump into something and he oh it's a spider web and he's like i hate spiders i hate spiders and then wakes him up and get in a bit of trouble there and then they said okay well at least the uh, root will be easy and then they go to get the root and i'm not sure if you remember when you were kids but um quicksand used to be a thing back in the day and i think it's uh it's not cool anymore but there's so when he gets a root it's kind of a quicksand and he sinks in it um and i remember like back in the day the quicksand used to be this massive thing everything had quicksand in it all the well you just like, don't panic do you no that's what i'm saying with quicksand just... it's not a big deal because obviously when people you just go quicksand, they'll be like oh i'm in quicksand i'm in quicksand and then the more you keep doing that the more under you go but if you just keep calm get your legs out that's it sink sink slowly yeah um, <laughs> um so then uh then they go on to whilst they're there they, they end up knocking out the serum and everything's working and they're saving the thing and then and then all of a sudden she goes she she goes like gets some the pain i've missed a bit where she's where they find out she's pregnant i'm sorry about that but um because that's why that's why they go back in the first place to realize sorry to have the baby and then they end up going back anyway and as um 
they've saved everyone she kind of falls down and and, and they're like oh my god are you okay and, they, and they're like oh is it is it this sleep thing and they're like no nah. she's like no nah, i think i'm having a baby and and then they start rushing into the hospital i think maybe hopefully i haven't got this mixed up but they start rushing into the, like, the place to to give birth on this island and um then the volcano erupts and um it they get surrounded by the Arnold's born. Sorry? The volcano stops when Arnold's born. Yeah, so it's, so it's like a kind of big thing. And um, that's and then when they, they, they come back to raise Arnold, oh, they do this thing. So this is like, as a dad, I've had this moment as well. So when they're in the playground and Arnold, um, so back in back in America, Arnold's at the playground and he kind of wanders off and they're like, where the hell is he? And they, they're, they're looking for him and they're going, Arnold! Arnold and uh, and it's I thought it was absolutely genius. But then one thing I thought they missed a trick with is when they find him, he's standing on top of the slide, and they're like they don't want him to fall, obviously. So and they didn't say hey Arnold, and and I was I was a bit sad about the fact that they didn't say that. So um anyway, he's on a slide and he slides down. He's all fine. Well, I mean, well, he's, he did say, hey, Arnold, but that's when he was born, as opposed to like yeah. calling out for him saying, you know, where are you? Where, you know, like. But it's just only because it was, it was only, it's only because it was followed, like everyone saying, Arnold, Arnold, you know, looking from around the playground and stuff. So, uh, and then, um, yeah, then they're, they're all home and Arnold's in his nappies and with like their grandpa and grandma's house and. Then they get this. Um, Eduardo comes back and says, "Like you're gonna, you're gonna have to come back because these people dying again of some plague." And um, then they f- leave him and fly off. Um, and that's story so far, I guess. And then um, right at the end, which I think leads on to the movie, although I didn't see it, um, when they open the page. So when Arnold opens a sticky page, it's a map of where they've been. So he's like, "Oh my god, I can find them!" No, it's a map, and that's the end. Cool. I missed out so much. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sure you can fill in the gaps. So yeah, before we end, and um, yeah, we'll talk about Hey Arnold, the the Jungle movie, which I managed to watch before recording, and it's I actually really liked it this time around, like more than the other the other times that that I that I watched it. I don't I don't really. Because I know I watched it the first time, I thought, yeah, I really liked it. Then I watched it a second time, I thought, mm, it's okay. And I watched it a third time, and I thought, yeah, this is this is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's actually really interesting about the movie. So um, this movie has a complicated history, like even more than I was able to put down in my video. But um, so, yeah, essentially that um, the movie was supposed to released theatrically it was supposed to conclude the entire series it was supposed to take place right after the journal but due to the fact that um they were not finished with the script and they were already done with the plans for hey arnold staves the neighborhood which was the tv movie and because nickelodeon was constantly on a roll because they made a hundred million dollars for rugrats rugrats in paris and for jimmy neutron boy genius they're like we need to get our next big hit we need to we need the next one now so Jimmy they Neutron made a hundred million. Yes. How? I don't know. And it was an Oscar nominated too. Huh? Yeah. What? Yeah. It was. Uh, it was. Uh, next what was it nominated for? Best animated feature. Leave it out. I'm serious. Uh, it was the very. Leave it, was- it out, Jimmy Neutron. Yeah. Next to Monsters Inc. and Shrek, and Shrek One. 
<laughs> yeah. I, I think Monsters, Inc. is a little bit overrated as well, but I think that might be a conversation for another day. Sure. So essentially, um, you know, they were like, oh, man, you know, we're getting up there. You know, we were, you know, our movie was nominated for an Oscar. So we, we need to get, we need to move up to the next level, you know. So, uh, yeah, so basically they knew that uh, this movie was, uh, the TV movie was done in production. They were ready to release it as their 100th episode. And, uh, but then they were told that, yeah, we're going to do the TV movie as the theatrical movie instead. And if it, if it does really well, then we'll release uh, the Jungle movie. And uh, long story short, it didn't do very well. It only made $15 million in the box office, and it was considered to be not as uh, great success compared to the other movies. And so they they scrapped the Jungle movie. And uh, for the next 10 years, that's when fans had been fighting for the the, you know, to have the Jungle movie released in some capacity. But, uh, yeah, but finally in 2017, we are going to talk about the movie that was released on DVD. It made a huge reversal in which, you know, the movie was aired on TV and then it was released on DVD when it was supposed to be that it was supposed to be theatrical. So, yeah, I think that, uh, uh, I did a, I did a two part, uh, video on this. Uh, I'm planning on doing a third one really soon. So, uh, it's called the pros and cons of hair on the jungle movie. And my co-host Aaron Meta from the Aaron Meta show. And I, we discussed about our pros and cons of it and we understand its problems and we understand, um, you know, how for some fans, they were disappointed of how the movie turned out. But something that you said earlier was something that we talked about on the, the video that this movie was intended for the fans of the show. It was not intended for a new audience. And I think that's why it didn't do as well as Nickelodeon thought it would, which is why um, Rocco's Mother Life, Static Cling, and Invader Zim Enter the Florpus was delayed for an entire year until they were both released on Netflix. Yeah. I mean, in terms of the Hey Arnold, like the Jungle movie, like it's like I said before, like I think the the issue was, I think what they wanted to kind of do was see if newer audiences would latch on to this story of of Arnold and his friends and and everything that goes with it. But I think what maybe they didn't realize or maybe they did was that the the people that ended up loving the film or watching it more were people like us who were thinking, "Oh, snap, hey Arnold is back." Like I remember when I heard about this movie, I was like, oh that's gonna be awesome hey arnold's back i'm can't wait to see it. i'm so hyped and all that but it wasn't like for example if you ask one of my sort of younger cousins they'd be like what the hell is hey arnold yeah you know what i mean I think, I think that's the issue is that um it's kind of like it works both ways you see kids uh wouldn't know about the show at all because unless they've seen the series um, they wouldn't have a connection to it. I think that's why Rocco's Modern Life, Static Cling, and Invaders and Enter the Florpus worked out way better because um, even though that they were continuations of their respected shows, it also gives a nice recap on everything that happened over the previous episodes. You don't even have to watch the show in order for you to enjoy them, especially Enter the Florpus. And they did the same thing with Are You Afraid of the Dark, the miniseries, in which uh, that is a completely new take on the story. You know, it has a new Midnight Society. It has a new set of stories to tell. So, again, that was that was a huge success to the point in which um, that miniseries is being picked up as an actual show because people loved it so much. 
I think that they saw the flaws of the jungle movie. It's like, I think that we need to make it more standalone for the children because, you know, they're the, they're, they're the target demographic. And you have to understand that it's that, you know, going in from the original air date of Hey Arnold to the jungle movie, that's, that's 13 years. A, a generation of children did not watch that show at all. And also going into the story we were talking about before about with Doug and the Weekenders about the slice of life cartoons, that style of cartoons was already done at that point. I mean, the cartoons that were really popular around the 2010s were like Adventure Time or Regular Show or Steven Universe or Gravity Falls, cartoons that were wacky and they were like fourth wall breaking and over the top. But at the same time, they were much darker than what you would see in a typical show like that. And, you know, those were the kind of shows that they were into sci-fi comedies, uh, something like slice of life cartoons. They, the last one that was like really relevant would, I guess the closest one would probably be the loud house. And even then it's more like a comedy. And I guess Clarence and Craig of the Creek a little bit, but yeah, that, that that genre is not readily available for children. Yeah, I, I was I was going to say, I think maybe it's a case of, because they don't have that, they have something completely different and something completely like zany and, and, and out of the box. And maybe something where you're watching a cartoon with a storyline, with morals and storytelling and like psychology of certain characters and maybe they won't gravitate and click towards that and i think that definitely reflected on the the ratings of uh, the jungle movie now, yeah and, and also fans of the jungle movie were even disappointed in like the fact that oh you know this this scene has modern technology you know Rhonda has a modern cell phone and she's mentioning about wi-fi and all that kind of stuff so it's like and big bob's out of business yeah obviously nobody has beepers anymore i did like that when he was like here take these beepers to san lorenzo and see if you can flog it to 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 those guys i i did that was one of the the kind of things i like now in terms of the jungle movie did you end up liking it as much as i did i did actually i did enjoy it very much i thought it was very satisfying and i thought it was a great conclusion to the series uh do, it doesn't have problems of course it does i mean it's to be expected that um you know i uh, i i mean let's be honest the hype for the the jungle movie was huge there were fan petitions there were fan art there's fan fiction and you know there's i mean it's obviously going to be that because something has been dormant for 13 years or 15 years or 20 years or whatever it's not going to meet the expectations of what you would think i mean i guess for like duke nukem forever for example it's like people have been waiting 15 years for that game and then when it came out people thought it was just mediocre because it was lost in the times and I guess for some people who didn't grow up with Hey Arnold, they felt the exact same thing. Although um, when the trailer was released on like San Diego Comic-Con, I mean, they absolutely loved it because it was taking them back to a time that was long forgotten from the 90s. Um, but yeah, I, I think that um, there were a lot of things that a lot of people did like about the movie. They liked the, f they, I mean, from what I've seen in like um, articles from critics, they say that they liked the first 
20 minutes of the movie where it was just like them being in the city, um, Arnold and Gerald helping out Monkey Man. They said that that was the best part of the movie. And then the stuff with San Lorenzo was just out of place for the series. It's like, you know, that's not what we watched Arnold for. We watched Arnold to see him hang out with his friends and to, um, you know, be with um, uh, his grandparents and his loved ones and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we didn't see this. We don't. We, we didn't expect this Indiana Jones-esque story, which, okay, that's fair enough. But you have to understand that this was what it was building up to. Exactly. I think for me, because I remember when I first, when I spoke to you about this a few months ago, it was a case of I was I think my kind of thing was I was looking at it from a logical standpoint as opposed to looking at it as a cartoon. So I think the reason why I enjoyed it the third time was because I decided to suspend all of my disbelief. I don't care if it's not real life or not reflected. I'm just going to enjoy this for what it is. So I enjoyed the intro bit where they're helping Monkey Man and they want to go to San Lorenzo so that he can find his parents. I enjoyed all of the stuff in in San Lorenzo, how they all worked to try and find his parents, how Helga and Gerald are by his side and they're basically fighting off La Sombra and all of these mob. I like that they managed to figure out the, the Corazon, which is just basically Helga's locket of, mm-hmm. of Arnold and how... How, how initially she tried to tell Arnold how she felt, but Arnold kind of felt like it was too forced and hell was like, you know what, right, I'm done with this fool. And then Stinky recovers it. And then... Well, well um, it was Brainy who recovered it. Oh, Stinky, yeah, Brainy, sorry, yeah. So Brainy, Brainy discovers it and how that chunk of gold was the key to opening it up. And, you know, his parents are have awoken all the parents have awoken yeah i and obviously helga and arnold kiss it's the you know the the big kind of crescendo moment also you i think you kind of see um the start of the relationship of gerald and phoebe as well which all which all of that was all was all really really cute and how his parents were like going with him to school at the end and they're like we miss you already and he's like uh well i've got school you know i'll see you at 3 30 or whatever it was and they're like yeah we'll wait for you here and i yeah i i decided to suspend my disbelief and enjoy it for what it was and i think a lot of people maybe would have taken that similar attitude of yeah we're just gonna watch this for this yeah, that's true. And I think that um, once they understand that um, they had to do a lot of rewrites for this uh, script, considering that the original ending would have had Arnold's parents dead. Mm. Because, yeah, Steve Vixton. Oh, um, yeah, that initially would make sense that his parents would not be alive. I yeah, Initially, Steve- that's you got that impression. That was your impression when you watched Parents Day. Yeah, exactly. He's playing... So- was never recovered their plane was never recovered you just they're missing assume yeah the bodies were never found yeah yeah so yeah i mean like that's essentially what happened is that you know steve vixen felt that um it was too unrealistic for arnold's parents to be alive after that long and so the original ending was supposed to be that well the reason why they never returned is because they're dead and um 
Yeah, and so basically Craig was like, yeah, we can't do that ending because, you know, fans have been waiting a long time for this. Let's just rewrite it. And so the reason why they haven't been around is because they succumbed to the sleeping sickness and they've been asleep for over 10 years. So, yeah, I know a lot of people were kind of angry about that ending. They felt that, you know, them being dead would have been sufficient. But let's be honest, like that... I think you would have been pissed off if that would have happened. I mean, you, you, it's kind of like how Samurai Jack ended. You know how, um, you know, Jack ended on a bittersweet note in which, you know, he was able to defeat Aku, but then, you know, all the friends that he's made along the way. And then, um, you know, he was just about to get married, but then he realized, oh, wait, that's Aku's daughter. So she doesn't exist anymore. And so he goes back to his own time period where Aku is dead. And so everything is at peace, but you know, his adventure is over and he feels lonely. So it's like, you know, I don't think that an ending like that would have uh, been sufficient for fans who have been petitioning this for a long time. They would have been, they would have been betrayed. So I think that they, I think Craig did the right decision of doing that. So I think that, um, uh, the, the, the ending that Steve came up with, I'm sure it would have been fine, if the movie would have came out originally, but if they would have continued with that, I think it would have not done very well. Yeah. And um, any final thoughts about the movie and Hey Arnold in general? Uh, yeah. Hey Arnold, the jungle movie is a good movie. I would recommend that you check it out, but only if you've watched the entire series, because I pointed this out in my video of the cons of Hey Arnold, the jungle movie that you really need to watch a, pretty much every single episode of the series because there's a lot of Easter eggs and references to the um, to the Hey Arnold in order for you to get it. Like, kids who would watch it, they wouldn't understand the references. Like, um, they wouldn't know about, um, you know, all the good things that Arnold did uh, up, in the, up in Arnold's roof. Like, you know, the fact that um, those were actually references to previous episodes. There was the vacant lot. There's... Um, you know, there's the baseball, there's mugged, there's uh, pretty much like a lot of episodes. And there's a lot of characters that are introduced to it. Like kids would not know who Stoop Kid is or Pigeon Man or Big Patty or Eugene or Curly or Harold. So you really need to sit down and watch him. And I know a lot of people don't like that. They don't like watch having to watch all the episodes in order for you to, to watch the movie because it feels like homework to them. I think that's why a goofy movie, the Powerpuff Girls movie, um, you know, those. I think those movies succeed is because they don't need to watch the show in order for them to get it. And I think that's why Nickelodeon had to go back to the drawing board with uh, Static Cling and with um, Inventure the, and Enter the Florpus about how they would release their movies. It's like, okay, we're going to make this deal with Netflix because obviously the adults watched it, not the kids. And so, yeah, that's, you know, and those were better successes because of that. And uh, as for the show itself, uh, it's amazing. Like it, out of all the shows, the, out of all the cartoons that came out in the '90s for Nickelodeon, it's the best one in my opinion. Uh, it, it's it's definitely like like one of the top tier when it comes to slice of life cartoons. Like uh, you know, right up there with like Arthur and As Told by Ginger and various other cartoons um, that dealt with like dealing with everyday situations. Um, this is definitely one that I would highly recommend that you check out. Even if you didn't grow up with the show, even if you don't have any nostalgic attachment to it, I still th I still say check it out. I mean, if you enjoy shows like The Loud House or Craig of the Creek, then I think you'll enjoy Hey Arnold. Absolutely. And yeah, I, I echo everything you said about the movie and Hey Arnold. 
I, I, I thought I thought it was hilarious that you didn't mention about Hey Arnold the movie. Oh, <laughs> oh, I mean, it was there, wasn't it? It wasn't. Yeah, it was. Just, it was just there. I mean, it was just like, an episode, essentially. Yeah, it pretty felt, much. It, it, you know what? It felt like Save the Tree. It just felt like that, but an extended version. Yeah, yeah. Instead of saving Mighty Pete, we just saved the neighborhood. So yeah, that's exactly it, that, it. That's what it felt like. But but honestly, like with Hey Arnold, it's 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 a big component of my childhood. I remember watching it pretty much every day when he used to come on like on syndicated programming on television here it was the one cartoon that i could emotionally invest in even to this day or like as a nine ten year old when it first came on our screens the characters are incredible like arnold's incredible gerald's incredible phoebe's incredible i really liked her character i really liked um harold's character and how he kind of developed from the bully to becoming one of their friends helga is just like i said she's a show she's a scene stealer like she pretty much stole the show on, on so many occasions and her story was brilliant and yeah honestly i can't say enough good things about hey arnold really like this was this is royalty cartoon royalty for me and um i think hey arnold is one of very close to being the top most iconic cartoon of of my childhood and there are very few people that i that i know or if any people that don't like it from from my generation so um I, you can't really take that away from it but um for me i think it's one of those cartoons when like keep the nostalgia i think because there's only there's only a few mo there's only a few golden moments that are going to stand out to you and it's like it's really well made that the writing's fantastic um but i think like sometimes even like the best things can't live up to nostalgia and that's just like that's just me revisiting these cartoons and but th that being said this definitely one of the best cartoons we've watched and revisited so far in in, in this in the um entire thing with yesterday's capers absolutely and on that bright positive note we'll uh, bring this show to an end so where can we find you on the socials? Uh, yeah, you could find me on youtube.com slash oldschoollane, facebook.com slash oldschoollane, uh, Twitter, which is at patty, score, patty underscore B underscore Miranda. Uh, I post my podcasts on uh, Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, Overcast, Radio Public, all those places. I post new episodes of my podcast there first, and then eventually in a few days I'll post it up on YouTube. So, uh, yeah, I would say, um, you know, that's where you can find me. Um, you know, if you are a huge fan of, uh, Doug or Hey Arnold, uh, what mentioned once again for, uh, for those who, um, you know, kind of like, uh, were like listening in through this entire time. It's like, oh, you know, uh, uh, where can we see the discussions about that? So I did a few Doug videos. Uh, there's, is uh, Disney Doug really that bad for talking about Disney's Doug? Um, how Doug was influential with its simplicity that I did for three original Nicktoons month. And uh, the, the five reasons on how Hey Arnold was an improvement over Doug. And as for my Harold videos, there's the origins of Arnold, my reviews on the Halloween and Veterans Day episode, my top 20 Hey Arnold episodes, 
uh, my 40 minute long analysis video on the history of Harold the Jungle movie, um, my look back on the Christmas special, and my one and two part video on the pros and cons of the Jungle movie. Part three is coming out soon, I promise. So, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. And uh, yeah, just massive thank you to Patricia and to producer Paul. This was a, a brilliant, brilliant discussion. Absolutely. And we hope to do it again. You can find me on the socials on Instagram at Yesterday's Capers One. We're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Yesterday's Capers. On Twitter, it's Yesterday Capers. You can follow me on Instagram at Abdullah underscore Molim. You can follow me, Abdullah Molim, all one word on Twitter. We're available wherever you get your podcast from. So like, share, subscribe, do whatever it is your podcast platform does. And join us next week for another episode of Yesterday's Capers. Bye.